Hello, the internet, and welcome to Premium Bond, for your ears only. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for joining us once more in this Simpletons review of the James Bond franchise. My name is Tucker, Lawrence Tucker, and with me as ever is the Beretta to my Walther PPK, Gerard Humphreys. Hello, Gerard. Hello, Lawrence. We've done another podcast about James Bond, haven't we? <laughs> we have indeed. How are you feeling about this this romp? I can't even believe it's happened. <laughs> 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 We've been consistent in something. So today we're going to be doing the second Eon Productions James Bond film extravaganza, which is From Russia with Love. Oh, that's, that's nice. nice. It's good. Isn't it? It's pleasant. So, for our uninitiated listeners, um, one of us, Gerard, knows a fair bit about these James Bond films, but I have only picked up various bits and pieces through watching them about 15 years ago, so I'm I'm not really too sure about what I'm going into with each film, whereas Gerard, I think, knows a bit more about it, it's fair to say. Yeah, probably. Okay. I was bit of a fan when I was younger. Tailed off a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but, you that's know. an embarrassing thing to admit, really, now. <sighs> young and stupid. Yes. Young, dumb. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to end that. <laughs> uh, good. Uh, what were your feelings going into this film, going into From Russia With Love? I rem- you remember excited? being quite good mm. from my... Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember it being one of the kind of Better ones, I guess. Hmm. Like, well, it's a lot of people's favourite. Right, is it? Okay. It, it, like, it was never my favourite. Um, <laughs> Roger Moore, I think, said it was his favourite. Ian Fleming said it was his favourite film. Daniel mm. Craig says it's his favourite Bond film. Lots of people say it's it's absolutely the tippity top of James Bond. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have been surprised at that before this <laughs> <laughs> so, w- without giving too much away about your opinion it seems fair to say that you didn't really enjoy it that much it's a wee bit revised I guess I've never been critical of it whilst watching it, I've just mm. been watching it for for the fun of it yeah, <laughs> it's for, like... for, for, for the sort of kitsch campness of yeah. the 60s Bond film but now you're watching it with eyes thinking I'm going to review this film a simpleton's uh, review of this film. Uh, very it, it, much. So. It, it has some somewhat uh, lost its uh, lost its luster a bit, hasn't it? So uh, I, I would count myself among the people before I watched this that I I would have said that this was absolutely my favourite film in the James Bond series, and having watched it back, I don't think I remembered <laughs> it very well at all. There was one scene I I had some recollection of, and the rest I thought he at one point I swear to God he uses a jetpack. I'm not sure if that's just... In that's the... a different one. <laughs> that's... Yeah. God, I really could have sworn he jetpacked into a hotel building and... Oh, uh, in... no, that's a different Bond. Is it? Okay, yeah, shit. Yeah. All right, well, that, that, that one is the one I really enjoyed, apparently. I don't... Which which film is that, do you know? Uh, Thunderball, I think it will be. Oh, that's coming up soon, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it will be. I believe it's Thunderball. In my... Thunderball <laughs> is my favourite, then, is what I'm saying now, and I will... I'm no doubt revise that <laughs> by the time we come to review Thunderball. Can't but... wait to ruin Thunderball for you. <laughs> So, but, um, yeah, I I can't remember if it was From Russia With Love, would you say it wasn't? Or if it was maybe from the From Russia With Love GameCube game. Because mm. I really remember having a jetpack in some part of that. Oh, my. Possibly, actually. Yeah, we, we still need to um, do a little crossover with our Let's Play um, 
Uh, we, we do a little Let's Play as well. We should be doing a little Let's Play. <laughs> well, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's, uh, that'll, that'll be at uh, youtube.com forward slash the rumble pack if that's the appropriate URL. I'm not sure if we've actually claimed that yet, so maybe we should probably do that. Probably not. It goes out. Probably would be very hard to claim it. Uh, rumble pack two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, the rumble pack for your fingers only. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should we should do a crossover anyway of um, uh, us doing a little let's play of the of the yeah. from Russia with Love game if we can manage to put that together at some point. Now we've seen this, I just I don't I, in no way can I imagine how it fits into a video because I don't really remember the video game either. I don't know how it would fit together as a video game. I remember game really liking that video game. I, the video sure. game I, I remember it being fantastic. I think it's the best Bond game uh, ever released, including 007 Goldeneye. Fight yeah, me. possibly. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, again, this is probably open to devotion. Yes, it, 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 <laughs> could well be. Now in the era of, of PS4s and virtual realities, perhaps controlling an angry, <laughs> hairy Scottish man going around punching women isn't... Uh... No, it's probably still my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's, not, let's not waste any more time... Uh, well, let's waste a little more time. <laughs> oh, go on. See, that was a trick I learned from the end credits. <laughs> ah, we'll uh, get to that. Okay. Um, uh, last time, I very much enjoyed telling you what the foreign translations of the film's title were. I remember were. But this that, one, yes. this one, if, you, if you remember, we, we started off literal Bond with, uh, <laughs> what was it, um, uh, James Bond Operation Killing or something, or James yeah, Bond yeah, Defeats yeah, Dr. No or something, something, something like that. Was it the German one or I think Japanese it was Denmark, one? Denmark had a really, really... Uh, no, Denmark might have been Operation Killing and Germany was... Um, uh, James Bond kills Doctor No or defeats Doctor No or something like that. But there's some really good ones uh, this this time. Um, <clears throat> uh, Belgium called the film "Love and Kisses from Russia." Oh. Uh, Portugal named the film "Moscow versus 007," <laughs> which it just isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even close to the plot. Really nicely missing the point. <laughs> yeah, um, Germany has a really good one as well. Love greetings from Moscow. <laughs> That's just like the intro of like a Eurovision <laughs> person <laughs> announcing the points from Germany. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Love greetings from Germany. Uh, I think Sweden had a, a fantastic name for it. Sweden, I think, has the best name. This is a fantastic pun. I really like this. I'm not even joking. Okay. 007 sees red. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's... That's, that's a solid part now. It's not... I mean, the rest are trying to eat the original one. They've just gone off on their own and just like... There you go. Here's a crack of a pun. Here's a, a, a couple to finish off for the, a, a pretty good uh, contenders for, for our literal bond. <laughs> uh, Finland called the film 007 in Istanbul. Which, like, I guess. I mean, you can't argue with it. Yeah, it's, it's more accurate than Moscow versus 007. Yep. And my personal favourite uh, in China. Starting oh. off in China, they called the film 007 Averted the Spy Plot. <laughs> I mean, that could be every single. <laughs> I really hope that it, uh, when we come to the next one, and, and uh, Goldfinger is just going to be 007 Averted the Spy Plot. Two. Two. <laughs> yeah, it'd make me happy that it's not even the correct number. <laughs> anyway, shall we shall we delve yeah, into the, delve uh, the fleshy this. folds of Ian Fleming's from uh, Russia? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the grossest thing you're going to hear today. Oh, good. <laughs> from Russia.
All right. Well, we, we begin as ever with the the whole gunshot bit. Yeah. Um, unusually, after the gunshot part, we don't go straight into a lovely intro sequence yet. We go into a little bit of action, which yes. uh, I shall describe presently. Bond walks around what appears to be the gardens of some stately manor by night. He's being tailed by a mysterious blonde-haired stranger. After some world-class overacting, the blonde man approaches from behind and using a garrote which he can pull out of his watch, chokes Bond to death. Oh no! The lights of the manor go up and we see a gang of mercenary types all dressed in black, having watched the entire proceeding. The most official of all the mercenaries approaches the freshly made corpse and removes a Sean Connery-shaped mask from it, revealing that HA! Actually, it wasn't even Bond, idiot! He congratulates the blonde assassin on taking only one minute and 52 seconds exactly to kill the man. High tension moment. <laughs> <coughs> High tension. I see. Uh... Very good. Lovely. So, um, what did you reckon to this part? As a, as a... I thought it was really funny <laughs> that Spectre's way of training someone is to make them kill someone that looks like the person. <laughs> that the guy too. could just be... He could be an idiot. He could have the mental age of a it cucumber. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make one jot of sense. And also, they had to reshoot this because the man who they picked to wear the Sean Connery mask, which was crap, by the way, the mask yeah. was terrible. The man who they picked to wear the Sean Connery mask looked too similar to Sean Connery. <laughs> so in the final shot, it looked like they were taking a Sean Connery mask off of him and underneath <laughs> was Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> that would so have been they, a ton up for the books. Roll they, credits. <laughs> they, had to re- they had to reshoot the entire thing with a small moustache glued to him, so it was obviously not Connery. Um, this this part I did remember, uh, kind of. I was halfway through, and I was like, "Oh, Bond's face looks a bit plasticky." <laughs> oh no, wait, hang! I know what happens. I, I remember this. <laughs> so I I did. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest, I wasn't scared that James Bond was dead. I'm, it was lost on me a little no. bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remembered it, so it was just... Mm. I just rem- it's the first time, again, putting on a kind of reviewer hat, I thought, hang about. <laughs> <laughs> what point? What, what does one minute 52 seconds exactly to kill a random man <laughs> who may or may not be trained in anything? I don't know. <laughs> it's very hard to tell if he was or not. He did seem rubbish. He just randomly yeah, just, just charged his gun at one point. Didn't he was, he? Just, he was <laughs> scared. He was, <laughs> yeah, it was just a man being hunted down. <laughs> a scared, panicking man being hunted down. Not exactly the equivalent of the suave. Super secret spy as Mr. No. Bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we get uh, our, our first kind of real gadget, I suppose, of the James Bond franchise in his, his winchable yeah, garrote wire from his watch. Mm. Which, I mean, in typical James Bond style, I've got a question if that's not maybe over-engineering a solution to a non-existent problem there. I think it just, yeah, make life harder, because, I mean, your wrist isn't exactly super strong, or it'd just be easier to take out your pocket. And yeah, take it out your pocket. <laughs> and also, if you take it out your pocket, you don't get that sort of... noise <laughs> when, you, when you winch it out, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's strange. But whatever, it's not the shittest thing I guess in this film. If you were sneaking into a place and you got searched, they wouldn't find your garrote. Mm. <laughs> oh. Well, all right, okay. You've shot me full of holes there. That's that theory, son. <laughs> that it was just shit. After this, uh, the intro sequence starts properly. It is full-blown Bond right from the get-go. The film's credits are shot onto the various body parts of a belly-dancing lady gyrating before a black backdrop. It's Bond 101, this. If you say James Bond, you think of the gunshot, you think of him 
fucking some woman, mm. maybe without her mm. consent, whatever. That wouldn't be why. crazy. Uh, and you think of this sort of intro sequence, you think of women dancing, don't yeah. you? Especially well, as, a, as a Bond layman, that's what I think of. I think of women dancing and silhouetted and... Again, this one was quite funny just because of how shit it was. <laughs> it was a bit like, crap, but... I quite enjoyed the idea of them like, in a small stage somewhere and like, the studio was just <laughs> getting a crap projector <laughs> firing against the wall and like, just getting some strippers from somewhere because they weren't very good. No, but I mean, there was one bit where it was just like she was shaking her leg quite slowly. <laughs> like, That's supposed to be sensual. Like, in the sixties, you'd have popped your load <laughs> in the cinema. <laughs> it just looked rubbish. Again, this was with kind of thinking about it, not just watching it. It was like That's terrible looking. But I would still say I massively preferred this to. Doctor knows one of just flashing random colours and screeching piercing noises. <laughs> Although it didn't have three bland mice, which That's is a crying shame. We should have had that definitely. But, In um, all of them, even that, the Daniel Craig ones. <laughs> so uh, last time you talked about the tipping point of the film, like where it became full Bond. I think this we doesn't. <laughs> have already hit the point. It's hardly a tipping point because it's hardly like in the middle now. It's just a big fucking slope yeah. going downhill <laughs> at this point. But it was straight away just nonsense. But like, what was going on? Absolutely, made no absolutely sense. definitely was. Uh, did you notice though? There was some uh, some some uh, sexual symbolism going on with a half naked belly dancing lady. Surprisingly. Uh, I mean, besides them being belly dancers. Um, all the cast and crew's names are projected onto things like her leg or her hand or, you know, mm. her belly or something. Um, the the name 007 is shot directly onto her wildly shaking breasts. And Sean Connery's name is projected onto her pubic region. <laughs> which I'm not sure. I'm, I'm fairly certain that's intent. I noticed the breast, but I don't notice what was projected onto him, if I'm being honest. Oh, I, <laughs> I see. I, I, just, I, I just thought it was. That was probably one of the moments I thought. That doesn't. It doesn't. It's not sensual. It's just like <laughs> so, it's some tease, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, look. <laughs> pretty much. Wabble, 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 <laughs> mate. You like that? I do. <laughs> there was uh, uh, one one bit in the credits as well. I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, the the title maker's assistant was called Trevor Bond, and I just thought he is the perfect man for our literal Bond franchise. It's also it kind of gives you a nice feel for um, who James is a much better choice of name yeah, than really, like Trevor Bond. He really does. Yeah. Here comes Trevor. <laughs> I think Trevor might be one of the worst names to have given uh, Bond. I mean, is Barry is pretty bad. Barry's got the alliteration, so that's something. Barry Bond. <laughs> sounds, it sounds like a kind of working class, like, <laughs> 60s man Bond, like, like the kind of um, cheesy porno films from the team, like, <laughs> starring Barry, Barry Bond. Barry Bond, yeah. Uh, he, he should be our literal Bond. Trevor Bond is our literal Bond, I think. <laughs> Which uh, I, I'm uh, keeping this alive. We're doing no, literal that's fine with me. <laughs> so with the intro sequence uh, over fairly briefly, we fade in on our first scene and find ourselves in Italy. You can tell this because people are wearing black and white striped shirts, riding gondolas and literally shouting, A presto. I didn't notice that, but... <laughs> mm, mm. It was badly dubbed over as well. It didn't need to happen. It was... Good. <laughs> really, the, the dubbing in this film is shit. Let's get that out of the way first of all. The dubbing is fucking crap. 50% of the time, the people's lips aren't moving. <laughs> you know, The dubbing is 
not mixed properly, so it doesn't yeah, sound yeah, like it sits yeah, yeah. in <laughs> just, oh, Everything about it is It's bad. like his back turns and then his voice gets loaded. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we cut quickly to the final match of the Venice International Grandmasters Championship of Chess between the Canadian McAdams and the Czechoslovakian Kronstein. The match appears to be tense. Kronstein is brought a glass of water, which he downs. He spots a secret message written on the napkin underneath the glass, which reads, You are acquired at once. Who by? Who knows? It is Spectre. Obviously, it's Spectre. It's got the logo. He ceases <laughs> toying with his opponents, finishing the match in one final turn, and leaves immediately. This whole scene. Guess how much this scene costs to shoot. I would have thought not a lot, but you're going to tell me. <laughs> well, well, there's a clue in the fact that I'm asking you that that is not the case. <laughs> so it's either a pitiful amount of cash or a ridiculous amount of cash. Let's go with ridiculous. What do you reckon? For, for 1963... Five grand or something like that? I mean... 150,000. Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I read it and I couldn't understand. <laughs> no, five grand would be like a person's wage in the 60s, I think. Mm. Well, the, the budget rate. for this film was £2 million. Pounds. Oh, okay. So, so it was a, a fair chunk just gone on this two-minute scene. Yeah. It's very strange yeah, to have spent so much money on this. It doesn't even have Bond in it. But this whole scene as well, it's... It's awkward it's, and it's weird. It's great bond, as in this feels <laughs> like just the first. Like that was my thing about Doctor No, is it just stayed so sort of normal almost mm. until the tipping point. Like yeah. it felt like almost a drama or something. Whereas this was all just rather than someone coming up and saying you're needed, it was like yeah, I wrote that <laughs> there's espionage. Just, you're needed. And... <laughs> just whisper in his ear because he clearly had the match won at any point he wanted. He's a chess wizard. Or yeah, uh, he could have just. Whispered in his ear, you're needed. Mm. And it's not like he had to get up and just walk out and make a scene because he could have won at any point. He just giving him this thing that, with a napkin that he literally has to hold to the bottom of the glass <laughs> yes, when he brings that, it up to drink it. That's the most awkward so looking <laughs> The entire thing, we said it last week as well, the entire thing feels very dark place. Yeah, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. when he puts the drink on the table and the hand lingers and I, I counted this six seconds <laughs> the hand is on the table for six seconds so we cut to Spectre's super secret yacht HQ inside which a mysterious man whose face is obscured it is Blofeld entertains a Russian woman referred to for the time being only as number three by talking almost complete gibberish about the parallels between Spectre and Siamese fighting fish <laughs> Eventually, Kronstein, now aboard, joins them. The trio discuss their plan, which seems to be to steal the Russian Lecter decoding device with the aid of a female Soviet operative, who mistakenly believes she'll be doing the motherland's bidding. The plan also somehow involves the British, but it's not actually explained how, beyond trick them into helping us also. This was my... The kind of thing I did throughout the movie was... Right, this is a plan of a master, a grandmaster yeah. of chess. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it seems pretty stupid, doesn't it? But, um, they insist that the help will be guaranteed, as the plan is so obviously a trap that they won't be able to resist. He's joking. Yeah, yes. Kronstein um, um, then toddles off to put his possibly nefarious plan into motion. I, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, that is the basis for the film. The plan is so obviously a trap, they will not be able to resist. That's not a plot. <laughs> That's not a foundation for a plot. My note here is, this is a chess grandmaster's plan. Let's see how crap it is. <laughs> I don't understand why they need the British to get the Lecter device. I don't understand 
yes, because I think it's in this scene to point out that Kleb is a high ranking or number three is a yeah. high ranking um, Russian, Russian yeah, security like, operative head, yeah, head of security. Who or something. Nobody knows. Yeah, apart from like the top echelons, has been fired. <laughs> I was, I was so shouting. Why doesn't she walk in and pick it up and walk out? I was, I was <laughs> shouting at my laptop. <laughs> I don't understand. Why wouldn't they say that she's defective? That seems really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't they tell anyone? Just yeah, just get in touch with the kind of highest ranking person you can in that like consulate and just say, "Bring me one of those lectures. I need it for a bit." Yeah, <laughs> and nice. he has to say, "Okay." <laughs> but uh, they kind of cover that up by saying, uh, "We will get a chance to kill James Bond," which uh, okay, but <laughs> do it in London. Put the in his bed or something. Yes, some obscure way of killing him. <laughs> he doesn't have to come and fuck up like. It's just like, oh, I need to take this bit of meat from, like, a cow. And it's a very easy situation. A cow isn't dangerous. Let's invite a lion (laughs) (laughs) someone that's drawn completely to the meat and the cow and everything and wants to fuck it up for you as well. (laughs) They've got a ruddy good plan, though, haven't they? All right? So, I mean, in in saying that, Kronstein's plan, it's stupid as shit, but it works. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's, so Kronstein. Um, I think I wish there was more of Kronstein because I think he was quite good in this, uh, and I think the, the actor looks yeah, evil it's as just fuck and a wolf sort of prick basically like, for the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's a really good villain to be honest. And uh, uh, also, number three, <laughs> we'll get to her. Don't you worry, my friend. Oh my goodness, um, Blofeld here. This is a little tidbit just for you. Uh, Blofeld here is played by Anthony Dawson, who also plays Blofeld in Thunderball. Right. But he was also in Doctor No. Do you know who as? No. Drop it, Professor. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> the professor is now back and he is Blofeld. <laughs> That's a nice bit of trivia. <laughs> Bond facts! Bond <laughs> The the whole bit at the start with the Siamese fighting fish, that that was bollocks. Yeah, that was bollocks, and they did just make Siamese fighting fish actually fight each other, which I yes. thought was very yes. nice in sixties. <laughs> very much so, and they also said occasionally there's a smart one, and he allows the other two to fight, and then when the survivor can no longer defend himself, he strikes. Like this one here, this one's smart. And it showed a fish clearly separated by a bit of glass. <laughs> he could not attack the other one. He was banging his head against the wall, desperate to get in there. Oh, I want in there, I want to get in the fight. And he couldn't do it. I don't think fish have it in them to strategize. No. <laughs> I, I don't think fish have it in them. And neither does Spectre, though, so in a way. <laughs> we have to talk about number three. Yes, yes, we do. She is fucking dreadful. <laughs> She must be one of the worst actors I've ever seen in a, a, a blockbuster film. <laughs> I mean, I guess she does set down like the whole like, Austin Powers having like, a small <laughs> dumpy woman that's just crap. <laughs> so, yeah. so it stands out in that sort yeah, of way. I guess, but uh, I've been um, looking into making films myself recently, mm-hmm. which you can, feels uh, like a plug. <laughs> you can look out for very soon on YouTube.com forward slash. Films. 
You'll find it there. (laughs) Yeah, I've been looking into making films recently. I've been looking at what makes a good film and the mistakes that filmmakers often make. And one of the key mistakes Mm -hmm. that amateur filmmakers make is having their characters just sort of stand and talk without doing anything. Um, Okay. (laughs) And this is in full effect here. She does nothing. She, She sits... Fucking arms pinned to her side. She she doesn't move at all. She, she, at one point, she sort of very slowly nods her head backwards and forwards, <laughs> but that's it. That's the entire movement, other than sitting down in this bit. But yeah, the plot is confusing so far. Mm. I I had to stop watching here because I was I started watching quite late at night one night, and I thought I do not follow this. <laughs> I followed it, but I just it was very much like this is undermining the film because of how pointless it is. <laughs> it's very pointless, and it gets more pointless as more of the plot gets explained, but um, I was very worried when it, we started doing this, because I knew I was going to have to write out mm. a synopsis of each scene. Um, uh, I'm very, very worried that, um, that, that I, I would come to plots that I just didn't fully get. Because I've had that before when I watched it when I was younger. I didn't really understand what the point of what was happening yeah. was. So, um, this this really shook me, but then I realised, no, it's it's just stupid. It's fine. <laughs> we head now to Spectre Island, where we see the strong-jawed murderer from the first scene sunbathing by a lake. A woman approaches him, strips down to her underwear, and begins massaging various oils into him. The piece is disturbed, however, when they hear a helicopter flying overhead. The chopper lands in front of the stately manor of two scenes prior, and from it exits number three. She's bid welcome by the official-looking mercenary, and immediately inquires as to whether the agent she's requested, Donald Grant, convicted murderer, is ready to undertake the mission set for her. The Merc confirms that he is, and leads number three through the Spectre training centre to the lake, where Grant is resting. Grant is called over and stands to attention, as number three quickly checks his physical prowess by whacking him in the gut with knuckle dusters. Satisfied that he's up to the job, she asks him to be ready to meet her in Istanbul 24 hours later. This is my favourite scene of the film. Okay. I'll be interested to hear it. Do you remember last time in Doctor No where he walks into the, the laboratory and... It's just people doing science. Oh, okay. Like, like a washing basin of pink liquid, and like people are going beep boop beep boop, yes. hitting random buttons on a computer. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So she arrives, and again, she's not fucking moving. She's just standing there, like, "Is the man I requested ready?" And um, yes, uh, yes. And then she's like, "Show me him." And then they, they walk through this training centre, and the training centre was my favourite bit. That yes, okay, I wrote in my notes, I have Spectre training is hilarious. It it's is hilarious. just people jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was, I remarked on how fucking dangerous it is. <laughs> They've got live ammunition training going on, and then like a thin walkway, and then you've got people <laughs> just running, about running around, it. jumping to and fro, doing hand-to-hand combat, judo-tossing each other, <laughs> fighting with knives. Fight. Everyone's like so close together. You've it got is an entire island. <laughs> Why have you put everything together like that, you morons? Um, and then my my, my favourite part of the scene that was hilarious but my favourite bit is when she gets to him and uh, first of all let's talk about the woman that Grant's with she is nothing to the film she exists I'm not sure yeah she she exists purely she comes in and then she uh, she strips off down to her underwear and you get a little sort of like a jiggle of the breasts yeah and uh, yeah it's she's there to to jiggle, basically, I'm, she's she's there to wobble about a bit. I'm not sure if she's meant to like highlight the fact that he's not aroused 
inspired in some way, or... I'm not sure. I don't think so. Or, like... I don't know if he's not aroused by her. That was never explained later on, that he's, he's well, I think not... relative to how Conry might react <laughs> in that situation. <laughs> Ooh, you're <laughs> a British girl, aren't you? Oh, God, just grabbing me. <laughs> I guess so, but as far as I was aware, she was just there to, to, to wobble about a bit. And yeah. show a knockers war, but um, yeah. So let's uh, <laughs> avid viewers may remember the uh, the the um, the of its time bell, which I will <laughs> sound every time there's something a little bit racist or sexist or xenophobic or anything that wouldn't be acceptable nowadays. Basically, yes. so let's have a little <laughs> just for that woman just uh, getting at it, <laughs> getting at it. But then we come to my favourite part which is where Grant is called to attention and he walks up in his very small towel. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, number three uh, asks to inspect him physically and mm. her physical inspection is not any kind of cardio test. It's not any kind <laughs> yeah. of strength test. It's punching him in the gut with a pair of knuckle dusters. It's also uh, like sucker punch as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a sucker which, punch. Which... It doesn't matter yeah. how strong you are. It could... I mean, that's how Houdini died, that's isn't it? That's how Houdini died. Just a man on the street punched him in the, in the stern. The stomach and just stopped his straight spark. killed him. Straight killed him, exactly. <laughs> but um, I've written down here, being able to take a punch in the gut from a relatively old, weak woman isn't the only thing I check of my counterintelligence agent before deploying them. <laughs> also, spe- <laughs> Spectre Island. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> And why so? I don't know. It's like, just if you take a real life place, it's not like MI6 is just called MI6 House or something. I guess some places are. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, like that. yeah it's, it's a... But it's just, it's, it shows the kind of lack of imagination, <laughs> I think, of whoever was reading. And also just the sort of amateurish filmmaking as well. It's like, we need to show this place is busy. Hmm. They can't do it in any kind of subtle way they just threw as much shit onto well, the screen as possible. Did, did you know the um, the the training centre is inspired by the gladiator pits in the film Spartacus? Oh good, so that. that's that would explain why it's all in such tight quarters. But in the gladiator pit they were in tight quarters. Yes. Whereas in Spectre Island they have a whole <laughs> island it hurts me. <laughs> anyway, we now go to Istanbul. A young blonde woman, Tatiana Romanova, leaves the Russian embassy before making her way through the city's winding streets to a super-duper secret location. She knocks on the door of the scene of this clandestine rendezvous, which is opened by none other than number three, who introduces herself finally as Colonel Kleb. Kleb checks Romanova's dossier and asks her some really awkward questions about past lovers. Uh, she instructs her to remove her jacket to ascertain whether or not she is a saucy enough bit of crumpet to undertake her mission, which it turns out is to feed false information to the British, seemingly by being a subservient, docile bit of arm totty for an as yet unknown British agent. Who could that be? <laughs> Which agent do we know that loves sub- subservient, docile arm totty? Double O six. <laughs> Close. <laughs> <laughs> that dirty Alcrevalian in the bastard. <laughs> so let's. Uh, let, let's start this scene classily by me asking you, uh, where, where do you think Tatiana Romanova places on the uh, the older uh, premium bond for your ears only patented fluorometer? Does she score a uh, four out of ten, or uh, I'd give her one? Ooh, <laughs> tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Uh, uh, uh. 
Okay. <laughs> I forgot about this one. Yes, well, but... I would get fucking used to it because I'm bringing that joke back every time. I would definitely give her one mate. One out of ten from Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ruborn, Charlie. <laughs> so she's played by um, Daniela Bianchi, uh, dubbed by Barbara Jefford in order to hide her incredibly thick Italian accent. And she was uh, Miss Universe, I believe. Ah, that makes a lot of sense then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, wasn't, wasn't Connery Mr. Universe or yeah, something was, at some yeah. point? Yeah, so there you go. There's a nice little... Mm. I'm doing an interlacing finger gesture <laughs> for anyone. A meant for each other. Yes, exactly. Um, Tatiana, I, I will refer to her as Tati because I've written it that way in shorthand in my notes. <laughs> Uh, Tati speaks Russian in the Russian embassy, and then as soon as she arrives with the head of Russian security, <laughs> she starts speaking English again. Whatever, that's just me being pedantic, I'm sure. That's fine. Alan Partridge moment of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not bloody on, all right? <laughs> this scene is is uh, strange, because she, she sits uh, Tatiana down and sort of has her remove her jacket and looks at her and goes... Yeah. And she's, it's kind of a bit sort of weird and homoerotic in a way. Yeah, and it could be very sinister. It could almost be sort of quite, quite rapey, but it is totally ruined by, first of all, by Colonel Klebs acting, by Rosa Klebs <laughs> acting, and second of all, by her fucking glasses. Yes, I did notice that. I just put down weird fucking glasses, creepy. <laughs> this, I mean, this is probably a little ding for me here, but they look to me like those sort of comedy Asian glasses that you yeah, like a, yeah, like a, a yellow dark yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might wear in a really, really offensive like. Is it Breakfast 60s. with Tiffany that has the yeah the super where, offensive? Um, some guy with an Irish name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... I'm just going to ding Breakfast with Tiffany there and myself. <laughs> Lovely. And me ding. for pointing out his very Oh, the triple <laughs> ding! Wow, we're getting into uncharted waters. <laughs> is a bit annoying that the woman in the film literally has the mission be a trophy whore hmm. but it's also quite nice that there is a reason given for the way that she I acts. I mean that was, honeypots were fairly yeah. common. No. But in the last film that was not the case and it was still basically like I will be your docile bit of arm tossing <laughs> and you can do what you like to me. This is a, a thing that I've noticed with the film whereas the last film felt a lot more racist with a little <laughs> bit of sexism dashed in. This film is very much more utterly, utterly sexist with a little dash of racism. So it's quite like... a big dash of... <laughs> <laughs> well, At one concentrated <laughs> dash. Think, At one point. I think I might know what you're guessing at here. And, and yes, I'm talking about frequency. I'm talking okay, about okay. quantity rather than quality. <laughs> yeah. But you will concede, though, there is a lot more sexism oh, yeah, yeah, going yeah, on in this one than there is... Uh... It's weird, I don't, just to roll back a wee bit, I don't understand what... Because she touches her knee at one point, mm. and she's blatantly like a lesbian who's like touching her up a wee bit. Well, I don't know if blatantly a lesbian, but it's suggested. But there's, there's well, she sort of goes like four when she turns yeah. around, but there's definitely something... <laughs> or as close as that actress can get to oh, yes. play <laughs> kind of last, yes. And she does, like, so she touches her knee and she takes her knee down and looks all uncomfortable and stuff like that. So I, I don't know what the point in that was. I'm not sure it's just to make her... Yeah, I mean, I can I can forgive that because it's just to make Rosa Claire just... seem like a more convincing villain, I guess. Mm, fair enough. She's a bit rapey. She's a bit sinister, yeah. 
And God knows, audiences of these films do not do not view rape as a well, any kind true. of any kind of laughing matter, and definitely not a, in, in, oh, in, no. in, in, oh no, in, in, in the eleventh scene of this film explicitly. They definitely don't do it. Then. Those are few jokes. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> We cut to the English Riviera. Here we finally are introduced once more to our dubious hero, James Bond, lying in a boat at the side of the Riviera with Sylvia Trench of Dr. No fame. The two are relaxing and about to have a spot of lunch. They're interrupted, however, when Bond's insanely loud pager goes off. He dons his shirt and heads over to his nearby car to answer a phone call from Moneypenny, who tells him he's needed an MI6. Sylvia protests they haven't had lunch yet. Bond scolds her, telling Moneypenny that he will be in the office in an hour. After some consideration, however, he relents and tells Moneypenny that it will actually be an hour and a half instead, so he and Trench can have some lunch, which definitely means sex. Yes. Definitely. There's no... No it, doubt in It was to over just like, now, about that lunch, <laughs> and then... No, about that... Sex. <laughs> Little <Yeah>. Bond. Little <laughs> Bond. <laughs> that fucking pager, though. Fucking major. Yeah. Again, I was watching with headphones, and it, I had to take them out. I had to hover them over my ears. Oh. It was just the uh, the car phone and everything like that. It's like whoa, fancy. It was quite funny. <laughs> the car phone is just a normal fucking telephone <laughs> car as well. I, I, I mean, I'm not. I don't know much about '60s car phone technology, but it did seem a little bit like I don't normal. Phone-y. I think it existed. No, possibly. I'm not, pretty sure it was the '80s. Yeah, I, I would have thought the '80s would have been the, the time as well. But this marks uh, Sylvia Trench's last appearance on, on any film. She was supposed to be a recurring character. She was supposed to be James Bond's longtime girlfriend, but like every woman in his life, he fucked her and chucked her into <laughs> this. So that's her done. No more Sylvia yeah. Trench. Whatever. Now this scene, I'm just gonna preempt this with it. Because <laughs> this bit is unpleasant. It's uncomfortable to watch. It's it's the way she's sort of he's act literally slapping her away and she's <laughs> desperately begging for Yeah. Like just to be fucked basically. What's the what's the exact line? It's like a <laughs> he goes, Shut up, it's the office <laughs> And she's like, Oh, we haven't had lunch yet and he's like, Shh Shut your mouth <laughs> Yeah, it's like watching um, just an arguing couple in the airport <laughs> or something like that. It's, it's deeply unpleasant. She, she starts undoing his shirt, and as you say, he slaps her hand away. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do this again later. Stop it, you sex mad bitch. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not, not exactly a huge leap for female empowerment at this point. <laughs> Especially not when he, does, when he says, oh, okay, I will spare half an hour to give you the D. And she claps her hands like an excited schoolgirl. <laughs> That wee look she gives us always. Mm. Bond enters MI6 offices and throws his hat about a foot and a half onto a nearby hat stand again. He declares this to be a miracle, which it isn't. He's led into M's office, where he's informed that a certain Miss Tatiana Romanova has expressed a desire to defect from Soviet to British intelligence, and in doing so can deliver an MI6 lector decoder, which they super want. <laughs> The only condition is that Bond be the one to fly to Istanbul to collect her and the decoder. Bond sees her picture and does the suave 60s equivalent of shouting Yabba Dabba Doo while his eyes pop out of his fucking skull, before agreeing to walk headfirst into an obvious, obvious trap because she is a bit pretty. Yep, that's about it. My favourite line from the scene was Connery saying, Unless it's mental. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, watch. Try to trap, which is mental. 
<laughs> using the phrase mental is <laughs> amazing. Probably more, but let's stigmatising the mentally ill deserves a, a, oh, a bell there, I feel. So yeah, it's a trap. And Bond just goes, Oi, whatever, I'll give you a pumping. <laughs> that's it, that's the... That no, and... it's the lector. Seriously. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're saying you're going to follow how accurately Kronstein's plan came to fruition. Kronstein read this perfectly. Yeah, I'll so, give him that. I, he written shouldn't down, have. But... I guess we are exactly as retarded as he said. <laughs> which I suppose, after what I just said, means I have to give myself a little bit yeah. of stigmatising the mentally ill. Um, or I suppose. Yeah, whatever. Um, I enjoyed... When Bond comes in, he flips his hat onto the stand and he's like, and for my next miracle. And then he shuts the door and M is standing next to Money Penny and he's embarrassed. Yeah. And I like that. I've I got, like when Bond's embarrassed. I've got that note. That seems to be a... F- like, because in Doctor No, what happens as well? He, he just has a like, complete arse made out of him. <laughs> it's like MZ's dad or something. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I, I very much enjoy that. I just like... Bond doesn't really get that after a certain while, does he? Yeah. He's not shaken by anything. He's, he's not even stirred by anything. Yeah. And it's really nice to see him just a little bit sort of shook up by, oh shit, there's, there's, <laughs> there's Daddy. The there's, boss. <laughs> Daddy's got his hat on, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, M beckons the equipment officer into his office. For the first proper time on the podcast, we meet Q. He gives Bond the first of presumably many handy little gadgets. In this case, a briefcase. A briefcase that houses 50 rounds of ammunition, a flat throwing knife, a folding sniper's rifle, 50 gold sovereigns for some contrived reason, and a canister of tear gas disguised to look like talc, which explodes in your face if you attempt to open the briefcase in the conventional method. Unwieldy luggage of death in hand, Bond leaves, stopping briefly on his way out to flirt with Moneypenny. He's about to whisper, in his own words, the secret of the world in her ears, before M. Cock blocks him by buzzing and asking James to leave the picture of Tatiana before he goes. James does so after writing From Russia with Love on it, and then he heads to Istanbul. I, again, love James getting a little cock block here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that funny. again happens. It is, exactly. <laughs> there's another thing that's going to come up quite a lot, is that there's scenes in this that, I mean, do seem like they've just been pulled straight from Doctor No quite a lot of them in fact yeah there was one one bit where a set was just used yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, yeah I'm thinking you're talking about the airport right uh, oh no the hotel oh the hotel mm. I think the hotel was well it's all filmed in Pine Tree Studios yeah. but I think the set was a bit different but I think it wasn't painted but the yes um, why does Bond write on the photo here is, is it just to be like you know Bond is just to be suave, or is it? I mean, I he's really making understand. it to Money Penny that you're the only woman for me, and then M buzzes and goes, "Oh, leave the picture of the beautiful woman Bond, yeah. <laughs> who's blatantly off to fuck." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but why he writes from Russia for um, Bond? I'm not I don't quite. I never quite really know. But um, I also I didn't really understand why he asked James to leave the picture, other than maybe for like some contrived security reason. The only way I could think about it was either. James doesn't want to get caught with that picture on him, which I'm sure he wouldn't. Or M doesn't want James to have the picture in case he has a little wank. Yeah, a little, <laughs> in case he has a little tug over it. Which, I guess that's Dad's doing. <laughs> that's probably the reason. That's quite a funny thought of James Bond <laughs> sitting in a hotel room. You don't think about James Bond wanking, do you? No. <laughs> He's got such a high sex drive, he must. <laughs> That's true, it's, it's borderline a problem for him. Yeah, I would say it's a compulsion. <laughs> He's, uh, at some point he must have sat in an Istanbulite hotel and just chugged one out. 
Speaking of, <laughs> we head back to Istanbul Airport, where James Bond's big advertisement for Pan American Airlines is just landing. Bond walks through the airport before being spotted by a chauffeur. In stark contrast to the last film, Bond jumps straight into his car after only some quick coded spy speak between them to be taken to his contact, Karim Bey. Not in stark contrast to the previous films, James is tailed first by foot through the airport and then by car by a remarkably sweaty, suspicious man and separately by Donald Grant, the murderer from the start. The say. Donald. The Donald, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've written down the Donald. I've written down the Fantastic. Donald. Fantastic. I just keep calling him Grant, but I'm glad that we've got a Trump <laughs> reference. <laughs> um, this is a scene I was saying very, very similar to... Yeah, yeah, true. It's probably it's quite spitting somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, just going through an airport, tailed by a man, obvious man that is is going. That guy's funny as hell. Though. <laughs> he looks like he's from a war or something. <laughs> that's what he is. He's fucking a war. Christ! Oh God. Bond identifies that he's being tailed and asks his driver if that's normal around these parts. His driver says that it is, as the Turks and Bulgarians have a sort of common understanding that they're just going to tail each other at this point. Bond shrugs this off, which he probably shouldn't, before finally being dropped off at the entrance to a bazaar where he is set to meet Karim. If it's understood that the Turks and the Bulgs... I've written the Bulgs in my nose. I should have said Bulgarians there, but whatever. <laughs> if it's understood that the Turks and the Bulgs are just going to tail each other, and it's not a problem, and they they, they know they're doing that down to the the uh, the agent yeah. number of the people, why is that man with his little beret on being so fucking suspicious? Why is he try- why is he trying to hide himself so much? I don't know. It's it's just. Every time he comes up later on as well, he's like, <laughs> he's like it's a, comically bad. Like a cat burglar from a cartoon. <laughs> Bond, still being tailed, follows the driver through the crowded market to the offices of Karim Bey. He and Karim share some small talk before Bond decides to talk shop. He asks Karim how he'll contact Tatiana. Karim tells him that she will make her own arrangements, so he should just relax and enjoy Istanbul until she contacts him, though he reckons Bond is wasting his time anyway. Bond leaves and is tailed by the Bulgarians again. This time, however, it turns out that Donald Grant has beaten and tied up one of the drivers of the Bulgarian car and is now using it to tail Bond himself. <sighs> Suspense and drama. <laughs> I th- I'm going to ready my bell mm-hmm. to talk about Kerim Bey. Okay. Would you like to describe what, what, what Kerim Bey's deal is? He's... Swarthy. <laughs> <laughs> He's certainly swarthy. He has a sort of Latin charm about him, doesn't he? Yeah. Which is strange for a Turk. Yeah. <laughs> you shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just a bit. He's a bit of a bastard, like a prostitute, basically leaves. Or I don't know, his mistress. Well, or whatever. I think. I think. Well, he's he's got about a million sons. He's yeah. one says that boy is that boy that, that drove me here. He's smart, and he goes, "Well, he should be. He's my son." Yeah, and that is. Um, a theme because every someone brings in tea and he's like that is also my son I have lots of sons so I think it's pretty heavily implied that he's a fuck machine he's a, <laughs> he's a fuck machine I think he might have a bit of a sort of harem going on yeah uh, Kerim Bey was played by by a Mr. Pedro Amendares mm. <laughs> Pedro Amendares mm. who is uh, who was one of the biggest Mexican film stars uh, of the time hmm. so literally played by a Mexican so let's just because yeah. they're both a bit tan <laughs> first let's talk about Pedro Amindales. Uh this was his last ever film and during it he was uh, he was suffering from uh, cancer oh okay which was 
basically he was in the final stages of his cancer then uh and it's it i I feel i feel kind of terrible having a little laugh at at this but uh, it is very funny and very very 60s that the reason he had cancer that is strongly suspected is that he filmed this film called the conqueror which was set in the utah deserts right near the u.s nuclear testing sites (laughs) (laughs) that is why he had some cancer (laughs) so this was his this is his last film and he he apparently uh he he wasn't well enough to film all of his scenes and in fact the director had to body double for him in some parts um they rearranged the schedule so they could film his parts first so he could then like relax and 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 he could you know didn't have the mobility anymore the big man liked acting (laughs) he he was he was big on acting certainly but he only took the film this last one um so he would be able to financially support his widow after his death, which is ah, it's okay. heartbreaking because he, he went away from his, his wife and his family to film this film for a few weeks and it's towards the end of his life and you think it would have been yeah, pretty okay. nice for him to just be with his family, but no, he was off there <laughs> starring in a Being shit film. <laughs> like a, a dog <laughs> yeah. in the middle of a stand Basically, that's, a, that's an upsetting tip, but that's a sad Bond fact so, for you. Can't wait for more of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what did you make of the character of, of uh, Ali Karim Bey then? Didn't really mind him. I found him quite personable. Yeah. I thought, I thought especially Pedro. Did I thought a, he was a great charismatic. Job. Yeah, exactly. I didn't quite understand the line. I've written this down. Not bad for a man who started breaking chains and bending bars with his teeth in a circus. That's <gasps> what I've got down. He's a strong man. He's a strong man. <laughs> Which didn't. I don't know why. He has the moustache for it. I don't know why it was in there. Like, was it just to say I am a big alpha male? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Hear like, me. I guess because he was like, at the time, he was losing muscle mass considerably, but he was still quite fat. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it was just to sort of go, look, this guy's capable, yeah? Yeah. You know? <laughs> can handle himself. <laughs> he may be racked with cancer, <laughs> but he can he can handle himself in a fight, even though it's never shown that he can in the film. Um <laughs> let's 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 quickly move on from the cancer talk, please. Uh, <laughs> Bond then leaves to check into his Istanbulite hotel, where uh, we now know he's probably having a bit of a wank. <laughs> he wastes no time in searching the room for traps and bugs. He finds relatively little, though discovers that the telephone makes a magical spy device that he has make a lot of noise. He calls the reception and asks to change rooms. The hotel manager rather suspiciously tells him that the only vacant room now left is the bridal suite. Bond asks to be moved to it. Yeah, that's. I didn't quite get. Is there a thing like, well, you won't take that, that job. No, no, because if you remember later on, to jump jump ahead, spoilers, everyone, okay. spoil, review spoilers. Uh, there's a uh, shit. What's it called? A, a cabinet de voyeur or something in the uh, the the bridal suite where people can sort of hide behind the the glass uh, and film them. So he wants him in the bridal suite because okay. originally uh, the lector device was not a thing that really factored into the plot of this mm. in the book the the plot is to discredit Bond yep. so that that remains from the book but n- now it just doesn't really fit with the rest of the big plot nope not really yeah. <laughs> so very very strange to, to that's debate. true actually that's okay we'll leave it for this scene um this this like you say this felt like a shot for shot of Dr. No when he's checking around the 
the yeah. rooms above. So it goes on for too long as well. It's way, way too long, this thing. I do quite like just the idea of Bond going on holiday, though. Just naturally, like, having a bit of a break, going yeah, on holiday, okay. and just being such a prick about his room. <laughs> Imagine if he was just there on holiday, like they, like he, he, he says he is now. Yeah. It's like, uh, move me to the bridal suite. <laughs> but, sir, that really is for newly married couples. I want it. <laughs> I'm a white man in the 60s, I get what I like. <laughs> so after this, we get a, a short scene wherein Grant drives a stolen Bulgarian spy car up to the gates of the Russian embassy. Uh, he abandons it with its former driver now dead inside before joining Colonel Kleb in another car. As the pair drive away, Kleb congratulates Grant, stating that the Russians will surely think that the British had a hand in murdering this driver come spy. And so the Cold War in Istanbul will not stay cold very much longer. This got a grand master note in my... Grand um, master note? You have to explain in, what that is. So, bits that are so shit they shouldn't have been brought up by... Wait, by a grand master okay. of chess. Oh, right, I see, like the chess grandmaster. Yes. So, the blonde guy mm-hmm. that they know is not Bond... The Donald. The Donald, mm-hmm. who doesn't look anything like Connery, so no. couldn't be mistaken for Connery. Not at all. Drops off a dead man <laughs> in front of an embassy, clearly in sight of the guard. Right. This gets blamed on the British. Why? <laughs> well, to add on Because they know what he looks like. They've been yes. tailing him. Yes. So... Well, you'll have to explain to me, like, Bulgaria at the time, is this, like, part of Russia or it something? It may have been part of the USSR. I'm not right, sure. that would, that would explain a lot, because I was, I was confused as to why... Russians would be angry at a British person for killing a Bulgarian in Turkey, and that, that it just doesn't really. Well, I guess me. But if it is part of like the Soviet, I USSR, think it would have been like yeah, they're a man sort of thing. Yeah. But okay. why they would blame the British? Yeah, it's very very <laughs> odd. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> different man kills him. It's definitely not Bond that drops him off. No. Now, is war is what well, is igniting the Cold War? Was that part of their plan? Was that that never was mentioned before? <laughs> And it does seem like something they would do, but it has not been explained so far in the film. That's their point. They're trying to make them attack each other, but I don't know why. I don't know. I can't really. Like how it gets them elected, or it doesn't. It doesn't at all. They're not even. I mean, if anything, it just seems like it's making it more difficult for Bond to get into the embassy to get the hate and security and. It's fucking strange. (laughs) (laughs) Let's. I mean, my brain will pop. If we try and analyze that any further, so let's uh, let's let's not. We cut back to Kerim Bey's office. A young woman in a tight dress lies on a couch. She mules half seductively and half annoyingly at Karim to essentially stop working and come and fuck her. Karim, much like Bond earlier, scolds her for disrupting him, but eventually he relents. He begins undressing her when all of a sudden a huge explosion rocks the room, blasting a hole through the office's wall. Boom. <laughs> No, this this scene was uh... it was annoying, and it needs a ding. I would say for uh, the I way think, she's. I think the way she's throwing yeah. herself at him. I think let's give a little. There we go, lovely. I mean, she may just be a gold digger. I don't know. Uh, she ain't messing with no broke Turkish man. <laughs> Slash Mexican. <laughs> Slash Mexican. Uh, it's um, it's a little little ding. She is throwing herself at him, and he's just like, "Damn it, woman! Can't you see I'm doing man's work?" <laughs> and then she's like. Ah, come on. Fuck us, will you? No. <laughs> I think the exact quote he says is, back to the salt mines. Which is That's strange. a horrible way to describe a vagina as a salt <laughs> mine. <laughs> I, 
I think he was. I mean, it's either a way to describe the vagina or it's a way to I'm describe ass- like hard labour. I'm assuming it's hard, un- like thankless labour. Yeah, which, <laughs> which I would have thought having sex with an attractive woman would well, be all. Would you say attractive? <laughs> Thought she was all right, wasn't she? I can't remember. Face, I mean, her face was. Did so you give her a four or a one? Uh, I'm refusing to answer that because I'm actually not a sexist. Yeah, so that's all you. Um, <laughs> her face was bizarre. She, I mean, I think it was just. And now you describe her in great detail. Well, it's just the way like she a was... pig. Like <laughs> <laughs> pig. No, you're the pig. Oh, I see. <laughs> I it's like you would describe a pig. I have never described a pig to this level of detail. Look, except for no, obviously. Boom. Oh, uh, it was it, her face is weird. It's um, she she was like she was trying to smile, but it was such a forced smile. It was like she was just pulling her mouth back as wide as it could go. I guess she was just having sex with some for money and all. Some I suppose a fake smile. It's understandable. It's, yeah, it did look pretty. Farcical face. Okay, sometime after the explosion, Bond arrives to investigate. Karim informs both him and us that it was likely the Russians that planted the explosives, though he's not sure why. Nor am I. No, because the Cold War has heated up now. Has it? Yes. Okay. Bond suggests. So instead of killing the British guy <laughs> that didn't kill the guy, yeah. you killed the head of the other intelligence I've, agency. I've r- written this down here, yes. <laughs> Bond suggests it has something to do with his visit, but Russia think that. Britain killed a Bulgarian in Turkey and their response is not to try and kill the British guy who they think killed the Bulgarian (laughs) but instead kill a Turkish man who has sort of quite loose connections with Britain. I think he's like head of their operations but or something like that. I don't know exactly what he's in charge of He's like our man in Turkey or whatever. But yeah, it's something like that, I guess. It's but still, still tenuous. It's weird. It's an odd mm. thing to do. Also, the fact that he'd sit down at his desk at exactly our time is really funny. <laughs> it's like they don't even give it any sort of leeway. Well, it's in like let's leave it half an hour in case he goes to the toilet or something. He's just yeah. right. He sits down at his desk should at this time. We, should we have a look through the window and see if he's there? No. Well, he is always at his desk at that time, so... Yeah. Yeah. It'd be... Waste he wouldn't of, fuck his bitch, would he? It'd be a waste of energy, that, to, that. to look through window. I, I wouldn't. No, let's just go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bit of a, a gag here that they do about... I may have classed this as a psychopath moment. <laughs> Possibly, yes. Um, so there's an explosion, and there's a girl there, and Kerim goes uh, to Bond... Uh, the girl left in hysterics and Bond says oh found your technique too violent did she <laughs> and that's supposed to be a funny part of the film but it does sound a bit like James is just made a rape joke yeah, is that a rape <laughs> joke or is that an accusation <laughs> well I think because he says it in a way like oh me and a girl were just sitting over on the couch talking yeah yeah. and then he's like subtle way of saying I know you were fucking <laughs> but I know you were banging that bitch. I don't care if you had consent. (laughs) Nudge, nudge. Yeah, basically. (laughs) It did stand out. It was quite jarring. It was very jarring. It's definitely something I I noticed anyway. Bond and Karim make their way into a secret underground reservoir. I I know this in the way I'm describing it. It's coming abruptly, but that's how it was in the film as well. Come with me, Mr. Bond. And then... (laughs) 
There they are. <laughs> in an underground reservoir that fucking Emperor Constantine or something built. <laughs> yeah, and why this is secret or why like they get full rating on it, I'm not quite sure of either. But... Ignore. Ignore that. Cool. That's fine. <laughs> there are many more, many more bizarre things coming up very, very shortly. <laughs> My note is... He gives him the fact about this ancient, wonderful, like, wonder of the world, mm. and Bond just goes, really? <laughs> it's like, I mean, it is quite impressive. Uh-huh. Is that a robot? Is there some titch here? <laughs> <can> slap. Well, no. <laughs> so they make their way into this underground reservoir, uh, the entrance to which was concealed near Kirim's office, for some reason. The pair row a small boat across this underground lake, they push deeper into the labyrinthine chambers before ducking into a small hole in the wall. They're now underneath the Russian embassy. Karim reveals a large underground periscope that he had surreptitiously installed during a survey, which can see directly into the embassy's meeting room. <laughs> yes, I was imagining what it looked like from the, the officer's <laughs> point of view. They must have noticed. There's no way. <laughs> There's so many ways you can spy on people. <laughs> in the 60s, there's so many ways you can spy on people that still, even at that time, involve being able to capture audio. Yes. Why would you just have a periscope? <laughs> it seems like audio being would in fact be even more important. Was of no use whatsoever. No, not at all. That's... Well, I mean, sort of, I guess, but not really. Like a periscope, when it comes out of the water, is small relative to a sea or ocean. Yes. <laughs> and even then it probably risks a chance of being spotted. Yes. Within a room. <laughs> within a room. I imagine it was concealed in something. Like a book. Fucking what? <laughs> in the decorative periscope that they happen to have <laughs> that now houses a real periscope. And occasionally spins yeah. about. <laughs> occasionally spins around, yes. Because that's what you want in a periscope. God, you uncultured. Wish you were more culturny. Prick. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Through his periscope, he identifies General Vasily, Director of Military Intelligence, Koslovsky, Chief of Security, Benz, one of Koslovsky's agents, and the Bulgarian Krylenku, a hired killer and the man most likely responsible for the limpet mining in Karim's office. Having identified the main players, Karim offers Bond somewhere safer to stay than his hotel for the night. Bond accepts, and they depart. Now, there is a bit in this which is pretty bloody rich. <laughs> okay. You, you remember towards the end of the scene with the periscope? Um, well, first of all, let's talk about when Tatiana comes in the room. Yes. And this is Bond's first sort of like view of Tatiana, and uh, he's like... There's a woman in the room, and Krim's like, ah, that'll be Romanova. She's uh, the only woman allowed in that room. And Bond's like, oh, things are shaping up nicely. Yeah. Looking at how when she sort of bends over a bit. And, uh, you know. So first of all, for a yep. little bit of objectification there. And then second of all, the uh, the producers didn't, or was it the director? The director didn't like um, Bianchi's legs and arse enough. In that what shot. a Miss Universe. Miss Universe. <laughs> he wasn't fond of Miss Universe's legs and ass, so he instead used a different woman as a body double, just to like, just to have her come in and flaunt some some legs and bottom, just for that scene, because he didn't like Miss Universe's ass, which that's... I mean I guess is probably we're going to have to yeah, that's... there as well because 
That's just quite special, really, isn't it, to be that picky about someone's heart? It's very... I guess, like, it's clear that at this point, the films of the Bond franchise are kind of like, you know, tits and mm. girls I mean, and you do guns get... and... Uh, it, it has to be like, you know, it has, there has to be a woman in it that's like, he thinks the audience are going to go, and I guess he didn't think she was high enough on the fourometer. I guess she was, uh, he would give her one rather than yeah. give her a four out of ten. Because <laughs> she doesn't even get to speak, <laughs> so like, you'd have thought her arsenal legs would have been why she was yeah, there. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, she's dubbed over as well, didn't she? So. Karim and Bond drive outside the city to a nearby gypsy camp. Can you remind me why they go to the gypsy camp? Um, Karim says that uh, he uses the gypsies. <laughs> he uses the gypsies like the Russians use something. The Bulgarians or something uh, like that. Okay. So sure. they're like his, his people, basically. Not his people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so intelligence and <clears throat> gatherings, word from the street. And yeah, so like that. that's like a safe place, he thinks. But um, Karim tells Bond that they won't be followed as one of his many, many sons is currently driving in the opposite direction with two dummies in the back of his car, which the Russians will definitely believe are Bond and Karim. This is proven almost immediately wrong, however, when they pull into the gypsy camp and we see Krilenko and his team hiding behind a wall waiting for them. The pair into the camp where they're greeted... Karim explains to James that they've come on the wrong night, as tonight there are two women, both in love with the leader's son, who are going to fight each other to the death. Uh, regardless, they're shown to the table where they're fed and watered. As they have their meal, they watch a belly dancer perform for far, far too long to keep the film's pacing up, while Krilenko and his team set up for an ambush. With the dancing complete, the leader of the gypsies calls out the two women to fight for his son's affections. The women fight for an equally awkward length of time. It's, uh, Ding Central here, I think. We're, we're coming into Dingsley. Now approaching <laughs> Dingsley d- d- Population <clears throat> The Gypsies <laughs> <laughs> Well first of all I know this is quite a recent uh, A recent development in, in political correctness But uh, you can't call them Gypsies anymore So here's a little dinghy for that Okay. No Gypsies um, Second of all The belly dancing again Exists purely To flaunt her bits And at one part Specifically flaunt them at Bond. Yeah. So yeah. here's another little thing. Um, the two women fighting to the death is just a, a cat fight. Um, yes. Shot from an angle as to give the most incredibly gratuitous leg, ass, <laughs> vagina and upskirt shots that they can. So here's a ding. Um, the two women being in love with the one man as well. That's uh, it, it, probably... standard fair, isn't it? For... Standard fair, but still let's, let's ding that. And last of all, the gypsy fucking leader. The king gypsy. He doesn't really speak as much as he grumbles and grunts. Well, I've written down a phonetic transcription of how he speaks. Um, Bond says that he's very thankful of the gypsy king's hospitality, the gypsy king's hospitality, and the gypsy king says, Ah, thank you! (laughs) And that is the best impression of the gypsy king you'll ever hear in your life. Yep, it's it's accurate, what so, is going on there? I don't know. It's also it's beyond like kind of just racism to the point <laughs> that they're portrayed to be more stupid than even the most base animals. Yeah, they're, they're like, just they're very much just 
I can't think of anything in the natural world that fights, like, deliberately fights to the death. <laughs> like, even oh, Tiger... Are, there are some. No, some, but they'll get injured and then they'll run away. But this sort of setting up is in, you're going in knowing you're not coming out. But <laughs> <laughs> one of you isn't. So, it, it's... <laughs> I'm pretty sure hippos fight to the death, don't they? Do they? Oh, they might not. No, no, sorry, no, they don't. Because one but, loses and then gets sent, he gets banished from the pack. Yeah, like everything sort of. They, they know they need to be able to hunt and whatever. There's self preservation, which they're literally saying gypsies don't have. <laughs> <laughs> ah. And then, like, especially over mating rights <laughs> with a guy. Yeah. Which they very quickly don't care that much about anymore. Well, that's because the big swinging yeah. <laughs> Scottish dick showed up. Ding dong! I think it also yeah. refers to him as a tribe at one point. Like the gypsy tribe. Mm. <laughs> it feels uncomfortable listening there. I, this entire gypsy camp really felt to me like it felt like a sort of western film and they were like in the sort of Mexican yeah. sort of encampment rather than, you know, a Roma gypsy or something, which I guess sort of fits with making. Uh, Middle Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern, um, uh, Eastern European stroke, uh, Eurasian people, just played by Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, yeah. It was just kind of beyond, like even the time sort of thing. It feels like wow, it does feel a little <laughs> uncomfortable. There's so much going on. I think how many dings have we had? Five dings for this one scene. This scene alone is is is. is three or four minutes. That's a ding more than once a minute. And it's pointless as well. As one of the girls is about to land a killing blow, (laughs) Kurilenku and his men storm the camp. A long, reasonably tedious fight ensues wherein the camp is set ablaze and Karim is shot in the arm. Bond, however, with the aid of the gypsies, the wounded Karim and some unseen protection from Donald Grant of all people, drive off the invaders. The gypsy king thanks Bond and declares him his new son. Bond and Karim decide to stay the night. Later, Bond is presented with the two women who fought earlier, and when presented with them, he is told by Karim, They're yours now. <laughs> ah! <laughs> these. The, when they arrived, they literally told these two women are in love with a man, yeah. and they're fighting over his affection. Someone... And then Bond walks in. <laughs> like, they both just. Not only desperate to fuck him, but desperate to fuck him together as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of actually worse than most pornos in terms of, like, <laughs> script rating. Yeah, in terms of actual, like, character motivation. Like, the fight scene was pretty boring, really. It was just a yeah. lot of Bond running around, it shooting fit, people. It felt like an old western, actually. It did, like, just certainly, yeah. Boo, boo, like, behind something, just shooting your gun over it, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. You're all, all Bond shots hitting first time, yeah. no one else being able to shoot Bond. But uh, it was kind of just a bit, a bit turgid and, and boring yeah. and silted, and that, to my mind, is a cream. Is, is a <laughs> damn shame. But that's three sections in a row now that have gone on way, way, way too long, way longer than they need to, and way longer than the pacing had space for them to. And it's one after the other after the other, and this marks the point in the film where I, I, I sort of thought to myself. This isn't going to be as good as I thought this was going to be anymore. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was bored as poop at this point. I, I was kind of flicking to tabs in a browser and stuff. I just didn't care. This is basically what Karim says. He he introduces him to his women, mm-hmm. and he goes, "You can fuck one or both of them. Whatever you basically own them." 
that is it. <laughs> I think that is how that scene should go in literal Bond, is it? Yes. You can fuck her. You can fuck her. You can fuck them both. <laughs> you can make them fuck each other. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yes. The way he leaves and just stands there is very funny at that point. Uh, it's, it's... And it's also awkward. Like, I don't... Like, if you were... Maybe I'm just not of the right personality, but if you're like, introducing two sex lives to someone... Well, it's funny to say that, because I'm actually quite experienced in introducing two sex lives to a, a psychopathic pervert. <laughs> he just... I mean, it's, he's literally just a pimp at that point. Like, yes. Or a people trafficker. People or, trafficker, yes. That's, that's, uh, that's again, all. they're just... At the time, they're just the enemy. Like they're not the good guys in yeah. this film at all. Yeah, there's, there's certainly a few points, as I mentioned, uh, uh, outside of the podcast, mm-hmm. to you, which I probably shouldn't be talking about now. But, uh, <laughs> uh, where if you just took these scenes out of context, Bond it's... would appear to be the bad guy in yeah, a lot like, of them. If this was just a crime drama, a modern crime drama, and there was a sleazy guy that went to a Russian gypsy or Roma gypsy camp, sorry. And then just fucked two uneducated like girls. <laughs> he would be a dirty bastard. Like he's not a hero. Mm. No, <laughs> no, he is not. Uh, <clears throat> there's another short scene at the camp the next day, wherein the gypsies set about rebuilding their destroyed home, while Bond sits about being fawned over by his two women. Later that night, he bids them farewell and is picked up by Karim's son, who has brought him his briefcase. Bond leaves the camp. Bond is the reason that camp has been destroyed. Bond has not been helping. <laughs> Fine, okay, whatever. That's fine, Bond. You sit and get rubbed at by two two desperate, simple women. He caused it, but saved them at the same time. He didn't. Yes, but they, for some okay, reason, well, think he did. <laughs> because he's weight or something, I don't know. So now, now we're very abruptly uh, in a sort of film noir now. <laughs> uh, Bond and Karim hide in the shadows outside of Krilenku's apartment. They plan to assassinate him. Karim sends two more of his sons, who are also policemen, to ring Krilenku's doorbell, knowing that Krilenku, upon seeing the police, will flee through his escape hatch. Bond assembles his sniper rifle and waits with its sights focused on the hash, which happens to be the mouth of a woman on a nearby billboard. Karim insists that despite his arm, he has to be the one that pulls the trigger. Bond allows this despite it being totally reckless because they only have one shot at it. And Karim waits until Krilenku emerges and then shoots him in the back like a hero. <laughs> Good guys. So, Karim's sons are sort of like just deus ex machina now in this thing. It's like, yeah. we need something to happen. Ah, I have, a, I have just the son for the job. <laughs> All the same age. He must have been like Emperor. <laughs> who's just... Busy, busy, man. <laughs> but, uh, or it's like an Octomom thing. <laughs> possibly. Just, but they know where this guy lives. When yeah. did that happen? Not a fucking good A day ago, they had so no idea like... he was even in the country. So, <laughs> yeah, they don't know he's there. They're aware of him. Hmm. They then they go to a gypsy camp that he knows where it is and where they will be. Yes. yes. He then attacks them, hmm. and they go right. Fuck this! Let's <laughs> just go and shoot them well, in the back. The Turks <laughs> follow the Russians, and the Russians follow the Turks. You see, so it's fine. It's just it's, it's fine. Utterly shit. It's stupid and doesn't follow. I fully agree. Like, they just need to, as you say. <clears throat> We now need to get rid of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Bang, he has got rid of so there's Thank no God, re- There was no need for him to be in it. Yeah, there's there. no need for him to be in it. There's no re- like repercussions for get rid- getting rid of him. Nope. Like, that might be 
like it's not like the, the hot cold war continues after that from what I can recall oh okay I don't think it does actually well it does but yeah, but it's like, not fueled by the Russians <laughs> so it's so it's just so weird yeah there's a lot of that in this film though it's just pointless shit that happens just for nothing <laughs> I think that this actually is our very, very first um, unusually callous quip concerning the death of another human being this episode. Uh, And also, it's a combination unusually callous quip concerning the death of another human being and ding. Yes. (laughs) So when when Krilenko comes out of his apartment, he comes out through the mouth of a a, a billboard, a woman on a billboard... um, and uh, the, when he escapes, the, the, the mouth opens up and this huge, like, hydroponic-style <laughs> light shines out of it. It's the most obvious fucking thing I've ever seen. But ignoring that, he comes out and um, Karim shoots him. And then Bond quips, She should have kept her mouth shut. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> it's pure That is probably the best one we've had so far, though. It's the one that follows what's happened the most. And, again, spoilers, that's going to be the best one of this film. (laughs) Bond then returns to his bridal suite, tired from a day's fighting, fucking and killing. He decides to take a shower. As he undresses, however, he hears a noise. He wraps a towel around himself and investigates. He enters the bedroom and finds Tatiana Romanova naked in his bed. Much like with Sylvia's breaking and entering sexcapade of the previous film, he isn't too shocked and uh, starts flirting. Uh, she flirts with him back, telling him sexily in the process that the Lecter Dakota isn't with her, but is in the Russian consulate instead. Bond, for some reason, arranges that they should meet at the St. Sophia Mosque the next day, pretending to be tourists who have just met for her to give him the plans to the Russian consulate. The pair begin to have sex, though as the camera pans out, we see behind the two-way mirror of the bridal suite that Bond is being filmed while this happens. Dirty beggars. <laughs> Why does he have to meet her in public for that? Well, I mean... She just she draws out the plans basically on a napkin when he does get them. Why can't you just do? <laughs> Can you bring up some paper, please, and a pen? Thank you. There we go. Um, Too busy pumping all night. <laughs> I don't know to be honest. She could even just describe it to him. I mean, it becomes even worse because they've got blueprints. <laughs> I have. I picked up on this. this yeah. Thing, yeah. Um. Yeah, there's, a, there's some pretty gross lines of dialogue in this as well. My my favourite in particular was, uh, "You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen." Oh no, my mouth is too big. Oh, I think it's just right for me. That is. <laughs> the literal Bond swoops in. My cock is big and I could fit it all in. <laughs> yes, essential. Dispute it, you can't. Also, we, we talked about last time. I have got that written down. <laughs> it's just a b- b- big dick joke question mark. <laughs> Which this could be a literal name for this film, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've actually written down a, a thing here. Um, uh, so, last time, when Bond had escaped from the nuclear reactor on Crab Key and he was in the boat with. Mm. Um, Honey, uh, and they started having sex. I thought, oh, that's not a good time to have sex. It's all stinking and horrible. This this time is even fucking worse. <laughs> Bond has been fighting, fucking, and killing all day. He hasn't showered. He must smell so bad. He must smell of a gypsy camp. 
two different women's vaginas <laughs> smoke, sweat and cum and that is not sexy and I've written down here that smoke, sweat and cum is a brilliant name for the second literal James Bond film James Bond yes. 007 is smoke, smoke sweat, sweat and cum here's a Bond fact for you Bond oh, fact that's Foxy this is, no, you're, you're, you're hitting love, me hard and you'll love this, this, is the, this is, I think this is one of my two favourite Bond facts I, I, I read while researching this that um, in the Cabinet de Voyeur Mm-hmm. Um, originally, that scene went on a lot longer, and there was an incredibly long, lingering shot of the cameraman's face, and it was sweating profusely, and he was licking his lips. <laughs> but the censors had to have that cut before it would be released. I like how a third party had to tell them. <laughs> I mean, not even that it breaks any real lines, it's just... It's fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) The next day, Bond and Tatiana meet in the St. Sophia Mosque to exchange floor plans. Bond signals for Tatiana to drop the schedules by a nearby pillar for some reason. However, as she does, the Bulgarian spy from earlier, the one who didn't die, rushes... Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello, hello is his way over to kick them up. (laughs) Bond gives chase, but before he can turn the corners of the pillar, Grant shows up again and quickly murders the Bulgarian, leaving Bond now able to collect the plans as planned. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone is like Act sneaky <laughs> What are you doing Stand with the tour group yeah. <laughs> Meet in the tour group And just, just yeah, Pass it, it off yeah. <laughs> Instead you're two weird individuals Staring at each other From across the room going Over there <laughs> And then the pillar. Put it out of my line of sight. That'll be really inconspicuous. <laughs> I'll then go and pick a dump. Nobody's gonna reckon that's the case of it. Oh. Hello. I've misthought this. Hello, hello. And then the hello, hello guy, a fucking pillar in the middle of a cathedral. Yeah. Literally just in the middle of a down, big it, room. She, she puts down a shining. Gold sort of locket case or something, yeah. But he is up against a wall, not around a corner. (laughs) Like it's to stop your shadow or like peripheral vision picking up. He's up against a wall in the middle of a room, (laughs) and he is seen by Bond. (laughs) He's immediately picked up on as a dodgy cunt because he's pretending that no one can see him and he's and then <laughs> a man walks up to him and breaks his neck Funny. Bond gets a hilariously hand-drawn plans yeah. of the building yeah. so then he goes to Karim's office with his plans but to compare Tatiana's plans with Karim's blueprint which he just has <laughs> yep Anyway, the two schematics match up, which I guess was the point, and the pair discuss how they plan for Tatiana to remove the lecture from the communications office. That's what Bond. <laughs> this quickly devolves into Karim insisting that Bond must just want to fuck her, and that it has the scene. Bond says to Karim, Oh, she won't come back to the hotel. She says it's too dangerous. Karim says, This is our second rape gag <laughs> of, the, of, the, of the episode. Karim says, Ah, that old game. Give the wolf a taste and then deny him. The wolf is a very predatory animal. <laughs> that is as close as you can get to a rape joke without using the word rape. So let's <laughs> do that, shall we? Also, James going back to the hotel and Karim going back to his offices at this point seems foolish. Shouldn't you be in a safe house? Whatever, we don't have time. It doesn't matter. No, they've killed that guy so everything's fine. 
remember. Okay, so I guess they only had one hired assassin. Whatever. That's... <laughs> it's infuriating filmmaking. None of this followed. It's so convoluted. Anyway, Bond insists on keeping up this whole let's pretend we're tourists that don't know each other thing for some reason. <laughs> He meets Tatiana the next day on a tour boat, and she's worried they're going to be seen together, which they will, because they're meeting in public. She tries to leave, but she can't because she's on a boat, (laughs) so she cannot leave. Bond pretends to take her picture, which is awfully familiar for two people that have just met, but actually he activates the most adorably shit little voice recorder hidden in his camera. He probes her for the more technical specifications of the lecture. Oh, why? Why does this exist? Answer! I don't know. I should say it's shit and pointless. I don't know mm. why this hasn't already been discussed or yep. why they have to do it in public. Or... No idea. Because it's really spy-like. You know? <laughs> but when they're talking about the technical specification, the, the conversation sort of goes between technical specifications and her desperately trying to flirt with him which doesn't really follow because she's there to answer his question she shouldn't be being cagey with it I mean Mm -hmm. and he's just getting annoyed at one point he's like oh James couldn't we just and he's literally like not no he just treats her like a fucking child basically and uh, she's describing my favourite bit and she's describing the lecture case and she says it's brown like your eyes <laughs> and he's, his response is basically keep it in your fucking knickers woman for the second <laughs> to be fair if, I mean if, if James... Bond is just wanking a hotel room every five minutes and he's getting sick of this shit you have gone too by the, far by the point James Bond tells you you're being too slutty <laughs> Uh, yeah, too far. You've gone, you've gone overboard here. So let's ding that scene as well. There's a lot more in this than there is in Doctor No. Back into MI6 headquarters. Later, MI6 top brass sit in M's office listening to the recording which Bond made on the boat. The rest of which continues to ping pong between descriptions of technical specifications of the lecture and Tatiana awkwardly throwing woo at Bond. Ultimately, M decides that Romanova's description of the device sounds genuine and instructs Bond to go ahead with the deal. All that's left now is to Bond. All that's left now is for Bond to give her a date for the extraction. My favourite bit in this scene. Please do go on. <laughs> is when. For whatever reason, Bond stops telling her to stick to technical details <laughs> and then starts going on about a fucking lads holiday <laughs> with M. M and Bond on a lads holiday. And like, I can't remember. At some way, oh, that would be so good in literal Bond. Yes. <laughs> but, but then yeah, he stops it and asks Money Penny to leave a room, but then starts playing it for the rest of Ela to gather around the Admiral of the Navy and shit like that. You'll never guess what I did to that jab. Because <laughs> he's talking, wasn't Yeah, the exact thing is like, um, it doesn't even follow with the writing. This entire scene is basically a joke vehicle yeah. for this one joke that doesn't work. It says, um, she says, am I exciting as as Western girls? And Bond says, well, one time, Em and I had quite the experience in Tokyo. Which well, is... Tokyo is almost as far east as It's frustrating to, to see a script this poor. Yeah. There were a lot of problems with the script. There was about 100 rewrites. Oh, really? Like three, <laughs> this is the end? Three different script writers. Oh, okay, that on the makes movie. a lot of sense, because there's about five different stories going on. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, anyway... 
With the heist now imminent, Bond strolls nonchalantly into the Russian consulate. He makes his way to the visas department before checking the consulate clock was at the correct time with a man who is super defensive of Russian timepieces. <laughs> Not long after, Bond enters. An explosion shakes the building and tear gas fills its halls. Bond slips on a gas mask and makes his way to the communications room. There, after knocking a security guard out cold, he finds Tatiana and the Lecter device. The pair pack the device and flee into the underground reservoir from earlier where they meet with Karim. All three of them speed through the catacombs and out through a trap door leading to a crowded market. This is the scene I was telling you about. This was the scene I mentioned where, if you take this out of context, Bond is kind of the villain here. <laughs> kind of explicitly the villain. He's walked in to a foreign embassy mm-hmm. and bombed it <laughs> and stolen their decoder. This is my... That is the actions of a villain. Yeah. That is the actions of Blofeld. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is my favourite bit, is that before this they allude to, like, I'll come up with a plan to get it. (laughs) (laughs) And that plan is (laughs) the Iranian embassy seizure. (laughs) Going in, making yourself really obvious by completely nervously asking what time it is over and over again and pissing off the guard. And is he not known to be a British spy at this point? (laughs) You think he fucking might be. (laughs) So... Unless the low, low guy is as shit as he looks and hasn't given them a picture of him. But... No, the, the reason they've got him on file, or they, at least he's meant to be so well known that they believe he has him on a file, so he's mm. just wandered in. Yeah. It's exploded. Yeah. <laughs> as you say, he's bombed an embassy. He's bombed an embassy, <laughs> is what he's fucking done. <laughs> and then just stolen shit. Yeah, I mean, it's an act that would cause very. I mean, it's what? a. Yes. <laughs> Here's a Bond fact for you as well. The signs on the door were mistranslated from Russian. Um, and instead of push, uh, the door actually says twitch. Bond fact. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's well, good, come on. Well, there'll be plenty of people twitching after he's blown them up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, tear gas will do that. Um, you wanted to talk to me about the mice. Yes. Please do, well, the rats. Please do speak about the rats That's to me. Just hu- I mean, I get the. Like, They've been driven out of mm-hmm. wherever they were, but it's just—it's weird. It doesn't go anywhere. No, nope. it doesn't. It's completely pointless. Scene. It doesn't stop them. Like they run in the direction of where the rats are apparently coming from. They mm-hmm. then run away from the rats. That's what's meant to give it kind of tension or something. Yeah, I mean, I would have thought James Bond would have happily stamped through the rats to, <laughs> yeah. to get out. Of that there. might have been a reason he went that way. <laughs> <laughs> there might be rats this way. Let's stamp on that. <laughs> but the rats are actually, I think. My favourite bit of trivia about this. This is amazing. You remember oh, last time with the crabs? Yeah. When they arrived frozen dead in <laughs> bits and stuff. So the route is, is blocked by rats, and the scene took so much effort to film. It was originally shot with lab rats uh, for the first take, and the producers thought they didn't look like sewer rats. So, <laughs> to make them brown, they coated them in chocolate. <laughs> That's true, I'm not making this up. They coated the rats in chocolate, but the rats then wouldn't run and instead sat around licking themselves and each other. So they brought in real rats that weren't trained and they ran in the wrong direction. And so they had to take the entire crew to Madrid to film one second of footage of some brown rats running the opposite way. 
just rats him chocolate. <laughs> I did nothing. No, nothing. I thought it, I, even when I watched it without knowing this, I thought it was jarring and pointless. Can you imagine dipping a rat in chocolate? <laughs> That'll do. He looks like a sewer rat now. <laughs> Fucking appalling. They were dense motherfuckers that made this one. Oh, God, it's a shambles at this point, isn't it? <laughs> <Okay>. <clears throat> Karim Bond and Tatty bolt through the crowds to a nearby train station where they successfully board their getaway train. Not before, however, being spotted by the Russian security operative Benz, who happens to be in the station at that exact time. Benz follows them on board, and as it pulls away, we see Grant already having boarded the train as well, leaning out the window, watching the whole thing. I'm getting so bored of Grant just being there. Yeah. I know he's having all the stuff fed to him, and there's a point to him being there, but just let's just at this point say yeah we know Grant is going to be following him. we're not going to be shocked if he shows up later like oh hang on where did he come from oh my but there's God. so much shit that doesn't join <laughs> up beforehand there's that guy <laughs> now we get an incredibly long scene on a train Karim shows Bond and Roman over to their cabin and gives them their forged passport Bond leaves briefly with him to discuss the next leg of their plan they have arranged for the train to stop close to the border, at which point they'll depart to make for a nearby airstrip, which will take them first to Athens and ultimately then to London. Bond re-enters Tatiana's cabin and informs her of the plan. She complains like a bloody woman that she has nothing to wear for their Greek honeymoon. Bond surprises her with a suitcase full of ugly clothes, for which she's utterly overjoyed. I mean, you've just blown up an embassy. Yes. And, yeah. I mean, so, the easiest sort of form of transport to stop... As a train. A train, yes. <laughs> Why didn't... And they're just taking the train out to get a car. A car oh, that's I, driven... I see where you're going. Driven by the guy's sons, which yes. means it has to be driven from Istanbul. Yes. To meet them. I, Why? <laughs> shut up. Um, <laughs> when he's given her the clothes as well, the clothes... Oh, they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're 60s clothes. They're a bit it, gross and ugly. I don't... I'm not a clothes man, I don't really know. But he he, he... he he goes behind a cupboard and he's sort of like this Harry Potter music plays. And he's like... Da, 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 <laughs> Magic for a da, woman. <laughs> I've got a dress for you. And she's like, oh my God, how did that happen? <laughs> she's an intelligence, she intelligence <laughs> officer. <laughs> she's still too presented with a dress and she's like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also he then tells her off at one point for looking like a slut in the well, this, clothes. Well, this happens in the next, in the next <laughs> scene. Uh, Karim spots Benz aboard the train, searching the cabins for them. He calls Bond out of his cabin to inform him of this. Karim and Bond then tail Benz, who now has settled into his own cabin, and they ambush him, tying him up with his own jacket and gagging him with a tie. Karim sits with Benz while Bond head back to Tatiana, who is wearing a slightly less hideous negligee than before. Bond tells her that it's a little only to be wearing something like that. She tells him that she'll take it off. He doesn't want her to be so hasty. And then the pair fuck, I think, probably. I'm not sure. So yeah, like you said, he tells her basically, you look like a slut in those clothes I've got. You take them off and put on something more good. And then, no, hang on, don't. Because I like sluts. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> that would be literal <laughs> Wear these clothes. You look like a slut. I like that. <laughs> Bond then tells Tatiana to get dressed. Because it's tea time! She's reluctant to go out for dinner, but he insists. Um, Bond says, Just do as I say! And then she goes, Yes, James. And then he just slaps her on the (laughs) arse. Up until this point, he was treating her like a woman that he, you know, 
objectified and wanted to fuck a bit. Yeah. And now it's like, it's not even a woman. It's not a human who's treating it <laughs> like anymore. It's just an object. So let's, let's ding that one. Because that is the start of a downward slope that we are now embarking <laughs> upon. That the, uh, the incredibly long scene continues. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> as soon as they step foot into the carriage hall, the conductor approaches. He tells them that Karim has had a terrible accident. More disappointed that there'll be no tea, which she didn't even really want in the first place, than concerned about the death of her new friend and associate, Tatiana is sent back to the cabin. Bond goes to investigate. In Benz's cabin, James finds both Benz and Karim dead, apparently having killed each other. Bond pays the conductor to keep the news quiet and heads back to his cabin, suspicious that Tatiana may have played a role in all of this. Bond is made out to be so astute and so uh, on the ball. And then he's like, Oh, I guess they did just kill each other. Exactly at the same time. With yeah. almost no struggle. It does... Like, you're guarding a guy. Mm. How does he stab you in the back? <laughs> like... Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing that that is probably the what was said in, 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 in the, the scriptwriters' meetings. Like, But how does one think that? Shut up, you're fired. Get me a new scriptwriter. <laughs> Get the fifth one. And also, there's another trope here of... of Bond's little ethnic friend being murdered. That's two films in a row Bond's picked up an ethnic friend that has since been murdered. Yeah, true. Oh, yeah. So let's... <laughs> for uh, expendability of ethnic life. Which it. I guess sounds pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> a celebration of expendability <laughs> of ethnics. <laughs> so we get a brief break from this train scene which has gone on at this point like 15 minutes or something and we briefly see outside of the train where Karim's son waits at the location in which his father has arranged for the train to stop however with his father now dead before he could bribe the driver the train speeds past the son jumps in his car and gives chase in a panic do we actually ever see him again? I don't think so but I thought before he took Ben's in he'd already talked to the guy had he not already talked to the guy? Did he not arrange it? Yeah, well, I... Because I wasn't when I was sure when the, the train didn't stop. Yeah, when I was writing down the um, the synopsis, I didn't really notice, but I just took a stab at it. But I guess that yeah. could be the reason. That... But why... It's still kind <clears> of... <throat> why doesn't... Why does he go on? And that's what I don't get, was why, like, why not just stop the train? Oh, I don't know. Anyway. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Scriptwriter number six. He just... Bring him in. <laughs> he just phones another guy. And says, send another guy. In here. fact, give me two more scriptwriters because I have a feeling the next one's going to be uppity as well. <laughs> uh, back into the train, back into the train scene. Hooray. Bond arrives back at his cabin, angry. He grabs Tatiana forcefully by the arms and demands to know what order she's under. She tells him that he's hurting her. He threatens to do more than just that if he doesn't come clean and slaps her to the ground. She breaks and admits that she is under Soviet command, but refuses to tell James any more than that, other than he uh, but refuses to tell James any more other than that she wasn't involved in Karim's death. Instead, she protests that her love for him is real. He is sceptical, but seems to have calmed down for now. The train speeds on to its next destination, Belgrade. Let's just quickly a little ding for James Bond pimp slapping a woman to the ground. <laughs> the train speeds on and stops in Belgrade station James jumps off board to have a quick conversation with another one of Kirim's sons or is that when he shows up again is that the driver there that might be the driver there that might be why he drives okay, on I guess I can't remember um, he's uh, anyway either way he's keenly observed by Grant throughout he informs him of his father's death and instructs him to contact M in London to arrange for another contact to meet Bond in Zagreb Where, uh, and uh, with that Bond hops back on board and departs once more for Yugoslavia, back on the train. So why... Do, 
he has met his fucking drive at this point. Yeah. Go to the fucking airfield. There is literally no point, is there, to get keep going on that train. Get another guy out who's going to do what? <laughs> well, because <laughs> progress the plot, I would think. Hey, that's good script writing. That's you true. can stay. <laughs> the train pulls into the Greb station, and Bond's contact waits for him. Though Grant spots him first and approaches him. Using the super-secret spy code about lighters and matches and so on and so forth, he fools the contact into believing that he is Bond. He leads the contact into the toilets where presumably he kills him. Grant takes the contact's hat and briefcase and heads out onto the platform to meet Bond himself, now posing as the contact. He and Bond go through the same conversation about lighters and Grant is shown onto the train having apparently gained James's trust. I quite like this scene. I thought it was quite well done. I mean, it makes sense in its own wee sort of Better than he intercepts the guy, yeah. knocks him off. I don't know why he immediately thought, oh, here's James Bond and he's leading me to the toilet. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, literally written down. Uh, follow me into this toilet contact and then just, ooh, were. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, I'm double or seven, did you know that? Come on, in the toilet. <laughs> M took away my picture. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I like the cinematography though. I thought the the the, the smoke and the, the steam of the train coming off it was it gave us all a bit of atmosphere, and I really liked the way that uh, the uh, Red Grant or the Donald or whatever he is, the, Don- yes. the Donald. Uh, it, it was all no dialogue in this scene at all because at this point we haven't heard Grant speak hmm. at all, and I really enjoyed the way that he managed to uh, just portray. It, I mean, it's it's quite simple body movements, but it was quite a complex set of things that you had to understand were happening just through mime, which I thought we pulled okay, off, pulled off really nice. well. But this is the only scene in the film. <laughs> this is literally the only one where I've thought, that's nice. Apart from like one lingering shot of a big mosque in uh, Istanbul, this is the only part of which I've gone, yeah. <laughs> so, Kronstein's plan, right? We'll go back well, to Kronstein right this is all part of a master plan. How could I forget this <laughs> random right, right, fucking series of events? Kronstein's plan... James Bond is acting irrationally, yep. <laughs> erratically, and stupidly. Cronstein's yep. plan has worked fucking flawlessly, <laughs> and Donald Grant, up until this point, has done everything he needed to do equally flawlessly. The evil side of this is working so well together at this point. <laughs> but point. say he got a car to the airport and just flown away from the machine, <laughs> that grand master be sitting there going, <laughs> shit. Bad <ballad. laughs> Yeah, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I expect him to act like a maniac. <laughs> My reading of the British mentality is that they will always act like complete fucking idiots. <laughs> well done. You've read as well. <laughs> <laughs> now back on board, Bond speaks to Grant about the situation. He shows Grant the lecture and tells him that it'll be impossible to take it through customs. James asks if there's anything that can be done. Grant says he'll think of something, old man, though at the moment he's terribly hungry and needs a spot of dinner. James sends him and Tatiana to the restaurant car to eat while he stays behind for a moment. As soon as Grant leaves, Bond goes through his briefcase, clearly suspicious that Grant may not be who he says he is. This is a psychopath moment here when Bond suspects that Grant may be someone dangerous and so sends his woman out with him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bond finally joins Grant and Tati in the restaurant car. Bond and Grant order the grilled sole, but Tatiana seems understandably furious with the whole situation and refuses to order. Bond orders the same for her anyway. It's, it's fantastic. It's like, and you? And she, she says nothing. And he's just like, and for madam. 
<laughs> so angry. It's like, it is like a couple arguing on holiday. So let's just for ordering for her. Um, over dinner, Grant assures Bond that he has a solution to the border control problem in hand before knocking over Tanya's glass of wine. He apologises and pours her another, surreptitiously slipping in some little pills into the drink as he does, which James almost certainly notices right away, although doesn't let on. Standard procedure, is it? That's psychopathic as well, isn't it? Come on. Yeah, no, no, I've seen the date rate go in, I'm saying nothing because this benefits me. Bond and Grant escort Tatiana, who is now woozy from all the roofies she's had, back to the cabin. She faints on the way, and they move her onto the bed. Bond and Grant move into the adjacent room, and Bond pulls a gun on Grant, having obviously spotted the date raping earlier. He demands to know why. Grant tells him that the escape route he has planned is only for one person, and so Bond must decide on what's more important to him, the lector or the girl. Bond rather quickly decides the lector, and crouches down to inspect Grant's map to learn more about the plan. While Bond is engrossed in this, Grant pulls out his pistol and doesn't shoot James, but instead bops him on the noggin, leaving him unconscious. Good. (laughs) James is so astute, though. Again, he's made out to be so astute and so suspicious of everyone, and he's seen this man do a suspicious thing, and he's just like, well, I don't know, I'll buy that. (laughs) Women are things anyway, so who gives you a fuck? (laughs) You don't be squatter that map, will you? (laughs) (laughs) Grant goes through Bond's pockets and takes his money and gun. He doesn't shoot James while he's unconscious, so no, 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 no. James awakens shortly thereafter. What follows is the standard Bond fare of the main villain having Bond in a position of weakness while he explains and gloats about his very convoluted evil plan, revealing in the process the blackmail sex tape he has of Bond, who's pulling all the strings, who else is involved, and which organisation each of these people are linked to specifically. There's no need for this. I don't know why he has a sex tape of Bond. He's going to kill him, I presume. Well... Like I said, uh, Bond is to be discredited in the novel. That's why that's still in there. They want to keep okay. that from the novel bits. But so just after they kill him... Yeah, we're ha- supposed to be to discredit him as well. But. Tragic man has conventional sex with women. <laughs> Slur comes out. Single man and single woman have sex. Oh my god. Oh, the shame of it all. <laughs> so, well-known raging I, I know. I know it's like Trope City here, coming into mm-hmm. Tropesley, but... Kronstein's plan, flawless. It's worked so, so well. He has a gun to his head while he's unconscious. Pull the trigger, and none of the other shit goes wrong. That's it, you've got the lecter, you get off, you're fine. No, he needs to explain it. He needs to humiliate him. Yeah, he needs to humiliate him. Good. I'm all for that, but just. It's. I mean, I know it's. it's, it's... Don't make me get script traitor number nine. No. I know it's passe to complain about, you know, Josh Killam in a James Bond film, but really, <laughs> the bit where he has a gun up to these temple. Yeah, he's he's completely Grant is emotionless or as well. Or tie him up. There's no motivation for Grant to actually keep Bond alive to gloat. He he doesn't need to gloat. He doesn't give a shit about Bond. Yeah, he he's walked a, up to a little chap and snapped his neck. He's he a literal him to actual death. psychopath, like Bond is emulating. <laughs> It's so annoying. But the, the, I mean, the the scene itself, I thought, was, for what it is, not too bad. It's it's Meh. kind of all right. I mean... It's boring. I was so bored at this point. I wanted it to end so badly. <laughs> got like 20 minutes at this point. Oh, okay. Do you, at this point, sort of feel a little bit more sympathy for Spectre than MI6? Because I did. I don't really see how they're not the bad guys. They're just another yeah. They're like a sort group of group like... in the game. Also, the big problem, like 
So in the Second World War, Britain gets Germany's um, Enigma machine yeah. by finding a submarine. Mm-hmm. They then scuttle it and use that. However, that goes that works because they kind of don't know it's been stolen, mm-hmm. and they've got the code book. Yes. James Bond has blown up an embassy and stolen it. <laughs> All you can do is just change the code. Stolen one thing. One thing, yes, one thing. So they just change the codes or whatever, yeah. and that's it. It's... I actually, uh, I was looking up stuff for, for research on this as well, and someone had got an FAQ on the film. I was like, why don't they just change the codes? And the best answer someone came up with was, oh, it'd be a lot of bother. It and would that's, be it. that's a standard procedure. No, it would be bother. Oh, okay. So God knows they don't want that bother. <laughs> In fact, so Spectre's big evil plan is to sell the lector back to the Russians. Would the Russians even use the lector then? I mean, no, it'd be compromised. It's compromised, right? They wouldn't use it again. There is a, a quite a nice bit in this scene though when Bond's like on his knees where. First of all, Bond gets a pimp slap, which is not something you see all that often. That felt good. (laughs) That felt nice. And then Bond, albeit with no trace of emotion whatsoever, does actually beg for his life. Which is such a weird thing. He goes like, whatever they're paying, we'll double it. You never see that. You never see Bond go, don't kill me, please. (laughs) Hang up, (laughs) Bond. Yeah, that's that's there. Bond asks for a cigarette before he's killed. Grant denies him this, though Bond offers to pay. Grant asks, with what? I've got all your money, old man. Bond tells him that his suitcase has 50 gold sovereigns in it, which he is willing to trade for one cigarette. Grant obliges him. Bond opens the case and hands over the sovereigns. Grant, believing this is standard issue for all MI6 agents, opens the other case, triggering the secret mechanism to release tear gas into his own face in the process. With this, Bond strikes. The pair fight in the enclosed space of the cabin before finally Grant wins the upper hand and catches Bond with his garrote wire. Bond, desperate and panicking, grabs the flat blade from his briefcase and stabs Grant in the arm with it. Grant releases his chokehold, allowing James to reverse it, ultimately being throttled to death. The train then pulls to a stop as Grant's escape plan of temporarily blocking the tracks with a flower truck begins to come to fruition. Now aware that Tatiana isn't a counter-operative thanks to Grant's speech, uh, Bond decides that he'll have to take her with him after all. He picks her up, takes back his money, gun and sex tape from Grant's corpse and the pair leave the train. This is... It's so contrived when Bond opens the one case and then Grant's like, hang on, no, let me, let me do the other one. Ah, I know you're a clever game, Mr. Bond. So how does that happen? I probably wasn't. I was probably... No, so so the cases tab. you have to like... Yeah, you have to turn the things, but he only had one of those so. cases, didn't he? Yeah, but the other agent had another uh, one. I, th- I was confused as to whether it was standard issue or he switched all the things around in the cases. But I guess he would have had to insert the sovereigns in the other case, which is probably not that easy. So I guess all it's cases just... have that stuff in them now. Right, okay, fair enough. So uh, I was confused about that too. But um, yeah, the fight scene was fairly okay as far as they go. Yeah, it was, was it was the most exciting fight scene in the film. It was it was kind of nice, kind of you know high tension. Hey, same joke. <laughs> um, but it wasn't it wasn't too silly and it was quite visceral, especially at the end where he's it was just him yeah, it was kind of a bar fight almost. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, but there was mm. no quip. Oh. Bond didn't quip at all. That's because he was shaking. <laughs> Not stirred. Ah! <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no quip at all, mate. I've written, like I did with the last one, I've written a few quips he, oh. could, he could have used. Come on now. These are good. <laughs> these, are, these are actually Did Bond it. quality this time. Um, he could have said, You could do with more training. Uh, uh, he could have said, Only choking. Oh god! Uh, he could have. This is my favourite. This is actually the one. If I was writing it, I would have used uh, after Bond takes his money back from uh, the corpse of of uh, Grant. He could have said, "I'll wire it to you." Okay, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I'll give you that one. That's man. of Bond quality. <laughs> there is what that is. Or well, I've got a written down one for literal Bond as well. You should have just let me have a cigarette, you bitch. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Perfect. So he picks up a sleeping Tatiana and he speaks to her just like a, a, an errant child. Mm-hmm. Going, wake up, wake up or I'll leave you. Are you? Are you going to leave? Rufied. <laughs> <laughs> She's been drunk. <laughs> That's first of all, just ding for speaking to the woman like a child. But it's so un kind to just she's literally chemically altered so she cannot <laughs> function properly and he's like come on I you know bu- she's a woman fuck's sake Jeff. I'm just getting this swing of things well now fuck we are me. just as bad Bond drags a still semi-conscious Tatiana from the train. He dumps her behind a nearby knoll and briefly hops back onto the train in order to sneak behind the driver of Grant's flower truck. Bond knocks him unconscious and loads him into the passenger seat. He returns to Tatiana to load her into the bed of the truck. Bond then hops in himself and drives off. Oh, what? <laughs> he, he picks up Tatiana and he says something along the lines of the same thing, like, um, uh, hurry up or I'll leave you. And then he just chucks her in the back of the pickup truck, like... Like a sack, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not treating her like a human being. <laughs> the fuck's sake! She's not evil. She's not part of like Inspector's plan. <laughs> She's been duped too. Just be nice. No. Okay. <laughs> so the next scene, which I, I can only assume is your favourite. Oof! Die. It just—it's like a glove the way it fits. It's just. <laughs> In no way was I questioning it whatsoever because I mean they needed padding. They definitely yeah because it's it's actually its runtime is fairly sparse, isn't it? Oh yeah, there's not that's a scant far far too many minutes. There's not any bullshit. <laughs> so this is just fine. This is wonderful. James drives like a madman through the Yugoslavian hills. His concentration is broken, however, when a Spectre helicopter appears, literally from nowhere and seemingly for no reason. It follows the truck with its passenger attempting to drop grenades into the path of Bond and Co., despite the fact that he has a gun. Bond deftly avoids any damage from these explosions, though still decides to stop and flee on foot, telling Tatiana to stay under the truck, which could at any minute be bombed and explode. What follows is a series of shots of Sean Connery running for a little bit, then throwing himself to the ground to avoid the helicopter's whizzing death blades. This goes on for way, way too long. Far, far longer than it had to. Bond eventually manages to take cover behind some rocks long enough to piece together his sniper rifle and shoot out the heli passenger's throwing arm, thereby causing his grenade to detonate in the cockpit. With a chopper now a smoking wreck, Bond gathers his woman and moves on. Now, can you spot anything <laughs> even close to plot development in that? Absolutely. 
I why the fuck did that happen? I imagine it was maybe in the book. <laughs> I like they wanted to keep it because um, that would be exciting. Maybe. I like the idea that right now the Grand Chess Master is looking at this. <laughs> Sorry, he's got his fingers <laughs> like up to his mouth. My next move is the grenade throwing helicopter. <laughs> Oh, brilliant! <laughs> Everyone clapping him. Check. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> he he oh. shot this. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it's there. I don't know what the scene is. I don't know there. how they know where the. No. How many poor innocent trucks got their shit wrecked by a random helicopter and told Oh, there he is. God fucking knows. We get our second. Unusually callous quip concerning the death of another human being in this uh, in this scene. Okay, remind me. I'd say one of their aircraft is missing. Yes. Yeah, that's what, that's just literal bond. <laughs> that's literal bond. I just shot a man and he died. <laughs> I reckon that this quip at the end is the reason this scene exists, though. Honestly. It makes no sense. This it doesn't add excitement. It doesn't. Nope. It's just weird and so pointless. I can't like. So anyway, they move on to <laughs> After another that. very vital scene. Uh, Bond, his floozy, and his hostage arrive at a small dock. They all board a nearby boat. James deciding that he no longer had any need of the man that he's kept bound against his will for over a day at this point, unties the ropes and shoves him off the boat to swim back to shore. He tells Romanova that they are heading to Venice, though I'm not entirely sure why. Here's, here's some psycho stuff here. <laughs> Keeping this man bound until he gets him not only to a remote location, but to a fucking boat which he's driven out. I mean, it's a there's, lot enough, of effort there's enough distance he has to swim there to physically exhaust a man. Uh, got a little Bond fact for you. <laughs> hit me. This is what I is... mean, literally just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one, actually. Um, so, the scene was supposed to be filmed uh, in, in, in the Mediterranean Sea, you know, like across the Adriatic sort of uh, the, the thing. Um, they first filmed it in the Bosphorus in Turkey. Uh, but the Bosphorus was too choppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they lost one of their shooting ships, which was completely full of filming equipment. <laughs> so they must have lost, oh, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of equipment, maybe yeah. tens of thousands of pounds, but uh, they lost a lot of stuff in this one one scene, which is appalling. That's more exciting than <laughs> anything else. So, do, do we like to have a guess where it was filmed? Um, I don't actually know. It's Argyle. Is it Argyle? You know, it it's does kind look of... very Scottish. Yeah, it? it's got a hint of beauty about it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it there you go. Yeah, so it's just a clade. <laughs> Basically, it's just on the clade. Fun fact. Fun, Fun fact. <laughs> for a start, I thought they were going to Venice to go to the Spectre HQ. Was what I was assuming because that's where the boat I think is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not, are they? They're just going to Venice, which just happens to be the same place, which is confusing. Just make it a slightly different. Place. Whatever, it's fine. Skip no, it's right good. to number nine. <laughs> Whatever. 
Speaking of Spectre's HQ, we are now back there. And we go to the Grandmaster <laughs> looking at the new the new situation in the checkerboard in front of him. <laughs> Surveying the, the climate now. Sending the boats. <laughs> Send in the water helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Cleb and Kronstein stand in front of a disappointed Blofeld. He scolds them for the plan failing and they try to pass the blame to one another. Blofeld ultimately blames Cleb and beckons the official looking Merc man from Spectre Islands into the office because he's now on the boat as well. Okay, so just leave it. <laughs> the Merc clicks his shoes together and repeats the words, there's no place like home. However, instead of teleporting back to Kansas, a blade coated with poison springs from his foot. Blofeld asks Cleb if she understands the price of failure. She says she does. And with that, the Merc swings his leg back and stabs the blade into Kronstein's calf. Ah, tricked you. Ah. Kronstein dies of poison and shame. And Blofeld gives Cleb one last chance to get the lector from Bond. So can we talk about the plan now, Kronstein's <laughs> master plan? Yes. Was to steal, well, to have Bond steal the lector, steal it from Bond, mm-hmm. and then sell it back to the Russians. Mm-hmm. So they didn't need Bond to steal the lector. Nope. They could easily have had Bond killed if granted his job properly to take the lector. And now they're selling it back to the Russians despite it being useless. Mm-hmm. And they're doing all that. Ignore all of the things I've said just there. They're doing that for money. Y- yes. They own an island as an organisation. <laughs> what more money do they need? They're clearly very wealthy. <sighs> and why... Do, I mean, is, is the point of Spectre... To get money from people because get money to support. Spectre stand for again? It's extortion and extortion is in a remit. Okay, well, if it's in their remit, I don't understand why it's in their remit. I don't really know. They're not ideological. I don't think they're just articles. Yeah, I think they're they're almost sort of like chaos worshippers to my mind, aren't they? Yeah, they just want. Uh, world domination, that same old plan, if I remember my <laughs> same old chestnut. Whatever. Doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really make sense that they need money unless the money is to fuel further plans to get money for them, which is like... Perpetual bullshit. Yeah, it's one of these, these situations where it's like, oh, I need to work to get money so I can go out and drink to unwind from work, which is what a friend of mine once presented to me as a logical way to spend your life. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and like I say the plan absolutely flawless it worked completely the way Kronstein thought absolutely despite there being so many different variables that logically to any other thinker would have gone a different way but Kronstein called it all right he's a damned valuable asset to that that organisation and he was murdered <laughs> so a dumpy middle aged well dumpy old woman who, whose defection is about to be made very public, no <laughs> doubt, can have one more stab at physically going and taking the <laughs> yes. from Bond herself. That's... Ah! Oh! That is my bit. Not the massive guy that murdered Kronstein. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think he is or actually... Or just tell her to bring it to them. No. Yeah. Tatiana's still... Yeah. 
still works for them. Well, at this point, she might have been told that Cleb is Spectre because Grant told Bond and Bond presumably mm. told Tatiana. But Cleb like turns up, so and she's kind of a bit obedient. Yeah, she is. So. No, but maybe she's double bluffing. Who knows? Uh, back to Bond and Tati in the boat. They pootle along in their little ship towards Venice, but are all of a sudden ambushed once again by the Spectre boats. Send in the gods. <laughs> Well, he's dead now, so this is some other master oh, technician. Uh, this is, is Blofeld, so... Send in the boats. I'll do the proper voice, shall I? They flee, and Spectre gives chase, puncturing their many fuel canisters with warning shots in the process. Bond jettisons the fuel and uses a flare gun to set the barrels alight, exploding the enemy boats in the process. The pair move on once more. Utterly unnecessary. Yeah. This whole thing is it. <laughs> no, at least it moved to Portland. Yeah, again, though, it's just another uh, another vehicle for a, an unusually callous quip concerning the death of another human being, though, because we get a good one here. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we have a showing in England where the schmuck there's fire. Well, yes, you've just exploded those boats. Yeah, you've set fire to a lot of diesel. <laughs> mm. Now, I think the one on the boat... Uh, the one in the, that killed Kronstein he is actually the one in charge of the megaphone on the boat I'm not sure though but it, it was I think it was the same actor really? I remember reading in the in the trivia section about this that um, uh, his eyelids were burned by the explosion oh my <laughs> that <God>. went on. <laughs> so I think that was the same actor so I think that's why he doesn't go and get the lecture Right. I think that is explained. His eyelids are badly singed. One of the, the actor's eyelids are badly singed. <laughs> the, the character is presumed dead, although he shows up in later films. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the last half hour of this film, or 20 oh, minutes or something, hasn't needed to exist. And it wouldn't have suffered to not have them. No. It would have, you know, even maybe one of those scenes would have done, but two is... Yeah. Just wanted it to end at this point. And it nearly does. We have one or two more scenes before the fucking oh end of it, which it doesn't seem like it should be. But okay, I mean, at this point, you've, you've, you've dug yourself a hole that, that I feel should take more than one scene to get out of. But okay, it's fine. Get another scriptwriter. <laughs> now apparently free from further spectre ambushes, Bond and Tatiana have successfully made their way to the Venetian Hotel. Uh, they relax in their room before they catch their flight back to England with the lector. Notice in... how there's no custom problems. Well, no, they they're on a boat, Gerard. <laughs> but the flight, the flight they had, but they're just get. This is just a long Number trip, to a, trip to a plane. <laughs> Presumably, it's some kind of British chartered flight. It was already. Yes, I know. <laughs> They relax in their room before they catch their flight back to England with the lecture in hand. As they prepare to leave, however, a maid enters the room. But this is no ordinary Italian room maid with a thick Russian accent. <laughs> it's Colonel Kleb in, like, the world's best disguise, you guys. She begins tidying the room, eyeing up the lecture, which Bond has just left haphazardly <laughs> lying open on a fucking table. And she attempts to leave with it. Bond returns, and somehow, still not having seen through her disguise, tells her to just leave it and he'll carry it down himself. 
she immediately pulls a gun on him, totally invalidating the need for a disguise in the first place, and tells Tatiana to get the door for her. Tatiana obliges and leaves with the lector. Just as Cleb is about to shoot James, Romanova barges back through the door and knocks the gun from her hand. <laughs> Unwilling to admit defeat, Cleb clicks her shoes together and repeats the words there's no place like home to spling out her poisoned foot knife and flies at Bond with it. Bond literally just picks up a chair and pins her to the wall until Tatiana can get decent shot with Cleb's own pistol, which she takes without any hesitation, killing Cleb instantly. Oh my god, this scene is shit. <laughs> I, this is this is another one of those things. When you say James Bond, this is like in yeah. there the things. Oh, that's really iconic with the foot knife and Cleb and everything. <laughs> what is Cleb so there? <laughs> why is? Do you not have why any more mercenary? What about any of those specially trained Sorry. fucking operatives that all do fucking pyrotechnics next to each other on the <laughs> island? Don't send in an old Russian woman. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Quite deadly. No, she's not not deadly in the slightest. She got her shit kicked in in a second, and then her own operative shot her. It's just, I don't remember this being so crap, but it really is. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah, it's... Honestly, the last half of the film, the last last 20 minutes, looks like someone, someone has just gone... Oh, that's, actually, this doesn't seem like it's exciting <laughs> enough. Can we put in a, a boat chase, a helicopter chase, and another fight? And Saltzman and Broccoli have just gone like, Sure, why not? <laughs> and then an old woman just, as you see, gets pinned against the wall and executed. <laughs> like, they make it, it goes to her, and she's, like, fanning about every gun, like, I am scared, James, I am scared. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh. If he just held her down the ground and then you just put it up and just like blasted her point blank, it would have been the exact same effect. <laughs> this is uh, thick and fast with the unusually callous quips concerning the death of another human being here. And Tatiana says, Horrible woman. And James says, Yes, she's had her kicks. <laughs> Which doesn't really work again does it it doesn't follow no she didn't get a kick <laughs> it's stupid anyway because he should have said she just got clebbered I shot her he didn't even <laughs> I watched you shoot her <laughs> <Da-na-na>. <laughs> so now we have finally reached the end of this slog through the through the uh mm-hmm. And it is arbitrarily safe. <laughs> it is arbitrarily completely safe because the three key players have now been murdered. Um, so it is the end. Not quite the end! No. Bond and Tatiana, now with no one left to kill, ride a boat through the Venice Canals for some reason. They congratulate each other on having killed all the people they did and share a kiss. Tatiana jokes that Bond should behave himself as they're being filmed by tourists. In response to this, Bond says, Not again, and pulls out a reel of film of them having sex which someone made in order to blackmail him. He begins yanking it out of the spool to look through it. Tatiana asks what's on the film, to which Bond replies, I'll show you. The pair sink lower into the boat to fuck. As they do, Bond throws the film into the canal and literally waves it goodbye. The end. Now, (laughs) here's a little little psycho part here at the end, isn't there? Bond attempting to use as an aphrodisiac a sex tape 
that was made specifically to blackmail him and this woman. Yeah, nothing gets him off more than that. You, you should know <laughs> that by now. violated and unsafe. <laughs> what did you make of this ending? Just shit. Just terrible. Why are they on a boat? It's like there was a remit that they have to end every fucking Bond film on a <laughs> boat, boat while they and fuck. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they were fucking in the middle of a Sure, city. it's great, but does it have the boat and fuck? <laughs> you can't end Get me the boat and fuck. <laughs> it's all the shame of having a sex tape. Now, I mean, the canal is just like a road <laughs> yeah. in Venice. Well, in Venice, it's a road in which things sink. Well, yeah, but like... It's just a way of getting around. It's not like you're secluded from anything. No. It's, it's just like pulling over the side of the road and fucking broad daylight. It's, it's like you've just thrown away a sex tape to then just give a live performance. <laughs> they were already being filmed. <laughs> she just said that. Mm. So, now we've fucking grinded our way through oh, that, that shit. Like a Bond girl. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> if you had to represent your love of this film numerically on a sliding scale of I'd give a one to ten <laughs> couldn't think of one uh, what would you say how how would you rate this and specifically how would you rate it in comparison to Doctor No it's worse than Doctor No I'd say far worse than Doctor No I enjoy Doctor No a lot I would give Doctor No like Seven, six, seven, something. I think like you that. gave it a five in the last review. Did I? You said it was quite boring. Well, maybe relatively, it seems. Yeah, I guess <laughs> a lot better. Yeah, I gave it a six, and you gave it a five. So, what would you give from Russia with love? Okay, so if that's Doctor No's pegged at five, yeah, that's the benchmark. Three, two, two, two. slash three. Wow. Yeah. I really think, I think, bad. Yeah, it's it's really, really, really hasn't hasn't impressed me at all. I would probably go with a three as well. To be honest, I think it's. It's all over the place, isn't it? I mean, if you think about the film now, and think about, like... Well, it's just insulting. <laughs> They've put no effort into it at all. It's just, here's a helicopter explosion, boom, boom, here's bolt. I wonder if maybe boom, boom. we are a little bit jaded now as, as viewers some 40 years later, or 50 almost. Uh, um, yeah, maybe, uh, just at the time. Over 50, yeah. Been 60, I can't actually remember yeah, it's over 50 years now, it's 50-something years. Because they had the 50th, 50th anniversary of Bond But even films. then, like... You've, think, st- what, what? you've still got basic... Yeah, like, reasoning elements that have <laughs> and... failed here. The film itself feels very, very scattered to me. Like, if you think about three points in the film, think about the start of the film. You're in Istanbul. Yeah. It's the Russian embassy, it's the Cold War. Think about the middle like when they're in the fucking gypsy camp or something like that and then think about the end where they're on a boat going yeah. off to, to Venice or something it, it it does seem like three completely separate films to me true true. it's so all over the place it just it, it hurts my soul what what was your <laughs> highlight of this film if you had to find a gem in amongst all the shit what would you uh, I bet that I particularly enjoyed watching I actually can't think at the moment of anything that was... Um, well, I guess, like, the hilarious... I just found the scene in the cathedral yeah. really funny. Like, just genuinely... That might have been genuinely, though, to be honest. That was I just bad thought it, for me. I just thought it was so comic, like, how <laughs> it was. That... Discussing it with you now has <laughs> increased its comedic value, but I was bored as fuck when that was on. So, um, yeah, okay. And all the way it was a gypsy camp. It just couldn't. Ah, the gypsy camp was fucking special. It was, it was 
being central. Wasn't yeah. there? There's racism, there's sexism, there's everything going on that they shouldn't have been. It was just unneeded. It, well, it just didn't do anything at all. It was like, yeah. here is my safe place. Oh, we've been attacked. It is not actually that safe. <laughs> Did you know? Uh, my highlight, I, I think I said it earlier, it's the Spectre camp. It's just oh, so, shit, so funny. Uh, okay. So rubbish. And that shouldn't be the reason it's a highlight. <laughs> I enjoyed the scene that I said in Zagreb Station with all the smoke and everything, but it just it wasn't as good to me. It's not. It didn't release as much dopamine in my brain <laughs> as the Spectre Camp did. I was, I, was, I laughed out loud. <laughs> I, I normally wouldn't like literally laugh out loud while watching a James Bond film. It's but. funnier than like, any shit portrayal of it in Austin Powers. Yeah, like, I think it's, it's much much more it's, amusing than anything. Uh, my low light absolutely has to be. I think the helicopter scene. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The helicopter scene was so. I mean, it was it was notably out it of place, and so it was so weird. out of place that it made the rest of the film seem out of place as well. That single-handedly just ruined the ending. Other than the bad script writing, I guess lots of things ruined the ending. But that that very much put me in a, a much more critical state of mind when I watched it, and I I was looking at it and I was going, I hate this film. <laughs> I hate you, Terence Young. <laughs> I hate you, Sean Connery. <laughs> I hate you the most. <laughs> I've forgiven him now. Okay, good. I've prayed to the shrine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was from Russia with love. That was much more painful than what it would be. Yeah, that was that was a grind to get through. It's Goldfinger next. It is Goldfinger next. We I are. remember liking Goldfinger. <laughs> this would be good. I remember really liking Goldfinger as well. But uh, we will see next time. So, uh, if you've managed to grind through all this unrelenting negativity with us this time, again, we offer you many thanks. And as ever, we we would like very much if you would give us a nice like or a subscribe or a review or some critique or, I don't know, just... I've got a Patreon. No, I don't have a Patreon. (laughs) We might have a Patreon (laughs) one day if you want to throw your money away. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, feel feel free to, to... Come and join us on a magical Facebook voyage. We have a we have a Facebook now under the URL facebook.com forward slash flemings.shame or SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash premium underscore bond. <laughs> that URL was free. We got that one. Yeah. <laughs> Professional operation. Consistent I mean, across the board. We might as well like leave the mic running at this point and just like record our conversation once this finishes and it would still be a damn sight more professional <laughs> oh than shit here comes a helicopter <laughs> <laughs> well that seems a good a point to <laughs> fucking end this farce as any thank you again all you listeners what have toughed through it with us and next time we'll be back to do Goldfinger which I really hope we don't hate but I think we probably <laughs> will I'm wondering if we're going to do too many more of these to be talking about <laughs> bye <laughs> goodbye Oh, you're a British girl, aren't you? Oh, God.